0: attention passengers today on strangers on a podcast we go back to 1996 for a little rescue mission to save the president's daughter it contains a snake in a submarine a snake playing basketball and a snake on a surfboard join us won't you
1: Hello and welcome to the movie car here at Strangers on a Podcast. I'm the conductor, and with me is I'm Grimweed. Hello, Grimweed. Welcome. Hello.
0: Thank you for being here. Well, thanks for being here as well.
1: We're called Strangers on a Podcast because we're two guys who don't know each other, and we're talking about movies to see how they bring people together.
0: That and Are we're we... really strange.
1: Yeah, um, that that too. It's a technical <laughs> experiment, like a. Uh, can two people who aren't in the same town or in the same room can they do a podcast together let's see how it works let's try especially
0: since they never met
1: yeah are we gonna drive each other nuts are we gonna curse and scream one another out it's
0: it's looked like that quite a few times so far
1: yes it has we know we're not going to stay on topic but today we are talking about all the way from 1996, the sequel to the movie we did last week. It's John Carpenter's Escape
0: from L.A.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's, is it a, it's, I guess technically it's a sequel, but it's yes, kind it of is. more of a reboot. I mean, uh, it's the same remake. movie. Reboot
1: is a little generous. I, I think remake is more the... Uh, More the right word.
0: I don't know. Have you heard of the book, uh, John Carpenter, Prince of Darkness? I've heard
1: of the movie, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Well,
0: there's a book called John Carpenter, Prince of Darkness. And in the book, he says that... Uh, He and Kurt Russell sat to write a completely different movie than this. But when they started reminiscing about how fun it was to do Escape from New York, they ended up accidentally rewriting Escape from New York. So they accidentally just wrote the same movie.
1: Escape from L.A. came out in 1996, was directed by John Carpenter, the legend. It was written by John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and Kurt Russell from characters by John Carpenter and Nick Castle. It was produced by Deborah Hill and Kurt Russell because Kurt Russell really had affection for the character of Snake Plissken and really pushed for this movie to get made.
0: Yeah, to the point that Carpenter went to Kurt Russell to propose the idea of the sequel to him. And Kurt Russell said, you know, give me a few minutes and came back in wearing the Snake Plissken costume that still fit perfectly from Escape from New York.
1: Well, that's that movie star body that never changes. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, but we're talking about what's like 15 years later, he still had it, it still fit him. And as soon as he said something about doing a sequel, I was like, you know, let me go get dressed, which Ah. was great because wardrobe was panicking. Like, how are we going to recreate this outfit? And it's like, oh, well, I still have it. Yeah, Kurt. Kurt Russell stole it from the set.
1: Uh, But Deborah Hill and Kurt Russell are two of Carpenter's best collaborators. She she produced a ton of his best pictures, and he starred in them. Uh, Between Russell playing Elvis, Snake Plissken, Jack Burton, and R.J. McCready from The Thing, Carpenter and Russell put out some awesome stuff over the years. Music was by John Carpenter and Shirley Walker, and uh, Shirley Walker is famous for a additional music in a ton of movies, including Sam Raimi's Darkman, Dick Tracy, and True Lies. Uh, genre fans by know she wrote the original music for the Final Destination franchise, Child's Play 2, and Arachnophobia. She also did Johnny Mnemonic. She did Nightbreed. She was an additional orchestrator on Tim Burton's Batman. She did the music for Batman the Animated Series. and a lot reading of the her DC- entire
0: IMDb? No. She did a
1: lot <laughs> of the DCAU stuff. She worked with John Carpenter before on Memoirs of the Invisible Man, and I feel like a jackass for not knowing more about Shirley Walker. She was a fucking dynamo. Sadly, she passed away in 2006. She played the synthesizer on Apocalypse Now.
0: Okay. Well, Her, I'd be willing to bet pretty much nobody other than people that are into that know much about it at all because people don't tend to pay too much attention to that part of movies. Like, oh, yeah, oh, whatever the music or whatever. But oh, this movie okay, also yeah, nobody did ever into... gets
1: excited. It's like score by John Williams or score no, by not, Hans Zimmer. Well,
0: yeah, because they're huge. Names that have done tons of shit that were just ultimate blockbusters. But again, a lot of people don't pay attention to oh well, yeah, this person did the score on this for movies that especially like this, it was just kind of a either way. I am going
1: to sing my love of Shirley Walker to the heavens right now. I'm just sorry. I was so impressed by her IMDB that I had to just read the entire thing. Two seconds. I did not read the entire thing. Oh, I didn't even begin to read the entire thing, sir. I could read the entire thing and you would be astounded. So I'd go to get by all the wonderful things that she contributed to pop culture with her work.
0: Well, this movie also included songs by Tool and White Zombie. I'll get to the soundtrack in a moment. So we well, were talking about the by... music, so I figured I'd, I'd say it, it included music from Tool and White Zombie.
1: Soundtrack includes Tori Amos, Deftones, Deftones, Ministry, White Zombie, Dick Dale, Butthole Surfers, Randy Newman, Gravity Kills, Toadies, Orange Nine Millimeter, Clutch, CIV, Sex Pod, Stabbing Westward, Tool, and Sugar Ray. So very 90s soundtrack. Not sure how well it sold, but with a bunch of bands like that, who knows? The it music in well. this
0: was used much better than the music in Escape from New York. It seemed yes, it to was. fit so much better. And like just when he's walking around and you hear music in the background, it fit the situation. The scenes the different music was in fit. And even just Snake's theme music that you hear in the first one being just pure synth, now having the rock guitar and the more pumped up sound just made it sound so much better That's true,
1: but uh, some of the movies in the 90s uh, would have soundtracks that were huge, like The Crow, Trainspotting, Lost Highway was a gigantic one. Lost Highway, what the hell was that? I think everyone that I knew had uh, Lost Highway, the soundtrack CD.
0: What Uh, was it? it, What was it? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever even heard of it. It was a David Lynch movie. Okay, what was it? It was about- uh, Was it a highway that just suddenly vanished?
1: No, it was a murder mystery seen through David Lynch's twisted lens, and it had an amazing soundtrack nine inch nails perfect drug
0: yeah well that could be why i don't know because i'm not a nine inch nails fan well
1: it was a very popular song that you could only get on the live lost highway soundtrack okay. and i think everyone i knew had that one and i think it's the reason Ramstein never became known outside of germany i could be wrong but i might be right because i've were heard two of Ramstein. Ramsh- there were two Ramstein songs featured in the lost highway soundtrack and everybody i believe who bought it for the perfect drug uh song by nine inch nails was shocked to discover this awesome some German metal band. Okay. Cinematography and Escape from LA was by Gary B. Kibbe, because Dean Cundy had moved on to other things. Dean Cundy had done the uh, Escape from New York. Gary B. Kibbe had also done They Live in Big Trouble in Little China with Carpenter. Editing was by Edward A. Warshilka. He's an old pro. He did Schwarzenegger's Running Man in 87. He helped on 48 Hours with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte.
0: Much better than Running Man.
1: Genre fans might have appreciated his work in Child's Play 3 and 13 Ghosts. He's done recent TV shows like Magic City and Bates Motel. Edward A. Warshilka has edited for John Carpenter. He edited Big Trouble in Little China. His first gig as a main editor. He edited Body Bags, In the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Damned, and Vampires. So he is one of John Carpenter's go-to guys, probably part of the Family. Anyway, the makeup in the film was by Rick Baker and his team. Rick Baker is one of the absolute top guys in special effects makeups. He did all the men in black movies. He did Thriller. He did Videodrome. He did American Werewolf in London and consulted on The Howling. He did Harry and the Hendersons. He did Hellboy The Ring. He's one of the best guys for monsters, aliens, apes, anything directors need. He worked with John Carpenter before on Starman. And if you don't know who Rick Baker is, then you don't know who the special effects greats are. This guy is up there with Tom Sabini, Stan Winston, Rob Botten everybody. Rick Baker is an institution unto himself. Oh,
0: yeah. People would see Rick Baker, and that's all they would need to know about the movie. They could yeah. care less who was in it, what the movie was about. Rick Baker did the effects. Okay.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a fun movie.
0: Yeah. But speaking of people that had something to do with it, how many times can you say Louis Skolnick, Larin? And the Countess of Devon are in the same movie. Louis
1: Skolnick. I thought his name was Seymour in Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, he plays the skinhead number one or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the I, he's the one that was taking target practice. Called him one eye and shit heel. Yeah,
1: and then got shot.
0: Yeah. yeah, you don't call Snake Plissken one eye and shit heel.
1: Well, you know, most people know that, but that guy was apparently a complete poser because he'd never heard of Pl- Snake Pluskin. Well, either you know, had ever- the Countess of Devon. And I don't know who the Countess of Devon is. Who's the Utopia. actress who played what? Utopia. Oh, Utopia, yeah. yes, because she, in real life, Langer's, she's the
0: Countess um, of Devon. Yeah, A.J. Langer married uh, royalty and is now the Countess of Devon. Well,
1: Devon is a farming area in uh, southern England. Okay, and, well, she's uh, the
0: Countess of that area.
1: She is the Countess of that area. Yes. And uh, I watched a great movie set in Devon, England. It was called The War Zone, and it was directed by Tim Roth, and it dealt with uh, horrible family-destroying incidents of incest and abuse. Uh, but So that doesn't and, sound like a fun movie. It's not. But that's what I think of when I think of Devon.
0: Okay. Well, think of A.J. Langer riding around in a car in her underwear.
1: Well, that was in this movie.
0: Yeah. So that and you can think, okay, Devin, Countess of Devon, and think of that instead of. Oh, something else I think of say. when I
1: think of Devin. Uh, do you know who Alan Lee, the illustrator is? Nope. Well, he was one of the main illustrators. Well, he he's a painter who would paint a lot of Tolkien stuff or Tolkien books oh, in so the he and he wasn't the 90s. illustrator
0: that did the Snake Plissken Chronicles? No, but he uh,
1: illustrated uh, a lot of Tolkien stuff, and he got hired down to the Lord of the Rings movies because of his famous Lord of the Rings-inspired paintings and stuff. And uh, you know where he's from? I'm guessing Devon. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Devon, England. And all mm-hmm. of his Middle Earth imagery was inspired by the woodlands and farmlands of Devon, England. Okay. But what is the movie about?
0: Um, uh, go back no, to I'll last week's Escape from New York and then change everything from New York to LA. That's what the movie's about. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Basically,
0: it's about snake plissken once again being arrested he now there's been a massive earthquake in la is an island and okay you know i wasn't really asking ask I, was,
1: I, I was really i meant that as a lead into my script that what oh. that, that i worked well see hard that's on.
0: what confuses me because you did to ask questions but you don't want answers and so like you'll a ask re- a question and then real quick start answering so i don't know when i'm supposed to answer and when i'm not
1: well when i say what is the movie about that's well, that's, you that's you were more asking rhetorical me.
0: yes i i kind of was i, I apologize <laughs> now i'm really confused because you kind of were asking but you weren't asking <laughs> i, I um, meant it rhetorically i meant it i was asking the
1: audience Asking our listeners.
0: Okay. Well, in that case, listeners, answer them.
1: No. The movie is about how in 1998, earthquakes and tidal waves have broken Los Angeles off from the Californian mainland, and now it's its own island nation.
0: Yeah, and this is the movie that had the moral laws, like like I thought last one.
1: Indeed. Uh, A man is elected president basically for predicting that L.A. would be broken off and is given a lifetime appointment of commander-in-chief. He enacts a bunch of morality laws, so the country bans smoking, drinking, drugs, sex outside of marriage, guns, foul language, red meat, and probably a lot of other things.
0: Yeah, and if it wasn't for the banning of guns and red meat, I'd say it was probably today's Republicans. Indeed. Um, He
1: sort of, the (laughs) president kind of had a um, theocratic bent and uh, basically turns America into a Christians-only nation.
0: Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, because Muslim, being Muslim was illegal.
1: And being an atheist was illegal. Yeah. Uh, The U.S. government now sends all immoral undesirables to L.A. Not as prisoners. They're The island is not a prison. If you get sent to LA, you aren't necessarily a criminal, you just kinda didn't fit in. Uh, one woman is there for being a Muslim in South Dakota, and they made that illegal. So apparently non-Christian faiths have been banned. Atheism has also been banned, we learn. So it's not like everyone is a violent criminal like an Escape from New York. Even no, because though
0: when you see them sending people off to, to L.A., they're sending you see kids.
1: kids. Yeah, there's kids, there's families, there's uh, yeah. guys in suits, and they just look like a crowd of normal people who have been selected for expulsion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fucked but, up.
1: It's not like everyone was a violent criminal like an Escape from New York, even though it seemed to me not everyone in New York seemed all that violent. But then again, for all I know, Ernest Borgnine's cabbie had killed and eaten children or something.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's
1: not like it showed people's rap
0: sheets. It, it didn't really specify that these these are the worst of the worst. It's just this is where the prisoners go. It's yeah, just anybody that who goes to, to a be maximum the worst security the worst that Snake was dealing with. Yeah.
1: Instead of having lots of maximum security prisons all across the country, they have one big, Maximum security prison is New York, so uh, it's like anything that you could conceivably wind up in a maximum sent maximum security prison for could get you into New
0: York. Yeah. And, and this one you just had to not be one hundred percent moral according to whatever Catholic or Christian or whatever religion was the so one that prison have been decided Protestant. was it everything. Would have been probably Southern Protestant, yeah, possibly. But you know what else this movie did? What it cured Stacy Keach. Of what? He was no longer a lizard. What in the hell are you talking about? Cheech and Chong.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) Cheech and Chong
0: turned him into a lizard.
1: I don't enjoy stoner comedies because I can't watch them stoned, so I don't really watch a lot of Cheech and Chong.
0: I have been watching Cheech and Chong for way longer than I... Well, way longer than it's been legal, but way longer than I've done anything. I was watching Cheech and Chong when I was little. Well, I think, was it last week when I was talking about how like I I used to watch... uh, uh, like Guys and Dolls and stuff like that. I watched movies with my grandmother, with my dad, and so I was watching Monty Python, Cheech and Chong. I was watching Guys and Dolls and musicals. I was watching British humor. I was watching all kinds of stuff. But no, I was watching. I was watching things uh, that you normally wouldn't sit a small child in front of, like. Cheech and Chong. Oh, were
1: you watching Basic Instinct as a little kid?
0: Basic Instinct came out in, I think I was in high school. All right, then. When did Long when as, did Basic you know, Instinct come out? I don't know.
1: It was the probably 1990, I want to say, three or four. Really? Was it that? I remember being a very naive no, young man. it was man. 92. 92. I was close. So I was like ninth grade? I was probably eighth grade or something. Uh, No, I just remember. uh, I remember hearing people talk about Basic Instinct and how there was this huge controversy over this woman, uh, Sharon Stone, where she uh,
0: where she was told she wasn't going to be showing anything, and she no, where she was
1: no. All I heard was that she opens her legs while wearing a skirt, and I and I Mm -hmm. I remember asking my dad, "What's the big deal about that?" And he said, "Well, she's not wearing any underwear," and I was
0: like, "Oh," and she was told that that wasn't going to be seen, so she was not. Yeah, happy when it was told. out that it, it was. But yeah. anyway, I, we're way off topic again.
1: Into this island nation of anarchy and misfits, a new player is about to be deported: Snake Pliskin, one of America's greatest outlaws has finally been caught and sentenced to deportation to LA for twenty seven crimes against morality.
0: Only twenty seven? It doesn't it must really been say what's slow his, time for Snake.
1: It doesn't really say what his specific crimes were, but we know Snake isn't a people person. Probably so for chances calling are, himself
0: Snake instead of by an actual name.
1: Uh it does add to his actual name, JD Bob Pliskin, uh, Or yeah. uh, I am sorry, S D. Bob yeah. Pliskin, not J D. Yeah.
0: So yeah, like I said, probably for calling himself snake possibly
1: but chances are snake was lucky to not be in la for as long as he was he was caught in thailand which is now a u.s territory as a gunfighter for profit
0: new vegas thailand
1: new vegas thailand yes somebody opened a vegas in thailand
0: no that was the, it was new vegas thailand u.s territory is what was what uh the, the name because when they're talking about it this it's new vegas thailand
1: well um i could imagine thailand being a party destination for uh, different cultures as it is, that it would certainly allow for a kind of Vegas air, but I think it would be a raffle if Thailand had its cultures subsumed by American imperialism and uh, was turned into a mere territory, but uh, the world and geography of the escape movies is... Iffy? Iffy, yeah. A little bit. Uh, Like In the first movie we find out that Snake served in the Special Forces and they were in Siberia and Leningrad, Uh, so apparently America and Russia were at war, or at least Special Forces Forces were sent into Russia to do things, and apparently now Thailand is a U.S. U.S.
0: territory. Who knows? Uh, okay. For all I know, all the earthquakes and shit, Thailand could be connected to Florida. Mm. As Snake is being escorted into the
1: deportation center, he is picked out by Malloy, played by Stacy Keach. Oh, uh, you may know Stacy Keach from Cheech and Chong, also man turned from, into a lizard, <laughs> man with a screaming brain, Icebreaker with Bruce Gamble, Class of 1999. The ninth configuration, slave of the cannibal god, in an absolutely ton of mainstream movies and TV going back to the
0: mid 60s. Y- you know what else he did? What? He did a little TV show with somebody that made their first appearance in another movie that we talked about.
1: Oh, really? What yes, movie was that? He what, played uh,
0: Christopher Titus's dad.
1: Ah, in the show Titus? Yep. And Christopher Titus appeared in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which was his screen debut.
0: Yep, I swear, he, I'm not
1: trying to make these connections. Christopher Titus is famous for being a rant comedian, uh, which I've never realized about him. I thought he was just a run-of-the-mill comedian, but apparently he is famous for his rants. And he's his, got some pretty on, good ones. On-stage anger.
0: He, his like um, Bill Burr podcast and George can be Carlton. pretty interesting,
1: too. I've never heard his podcast. Uh, but Snake is chosen for a very special mission, and does that sound familiar? It should, because Escape from LA seems a lot less like a sequel at times than it does a remake yeah. uh, i for one could have enjoyed snake plissken having an adventure that didn't involve him needing to escape from some dystopian metropolis but that's Is just it dystopian
0: me. or dystopian
1: i don't care okay
0: just wondering because i've Malloy, never heard it as dystopian and you keep saying that and i don't know if i've been saying it wrong so dystopian I just know. dystopian i don't know it could be right both ways i just don't Like to say things wrong, even though I do it all the time.
1: I think it's Dystopia. 1984 is dystopian science fiction.
0: Uh, I, like I said, I always heard dystopian, but it could be that I've been wrong. I don't know.
1: But uh, Stacey in Mal as Malloy and his aide Brazen, played by Michelle Forbes, famous Ro-Larin. for this. I'm sorry?
0: Rolaren. Rolaren. Yes, she was Rolarin in Star Trek. Oh, yes. Well, and she, even in this, has a mini disc tricorder. I'm not much of a Trekkie.
1: But she was famous for this, California with a K, with Brad Pitt, True Blood, The Hunger Games, and most recently she was on Star Trek card and New Amsterdam. She has a lot of Star Trek related credits. So good for her for being part of that family. She doesn't seem all that brazen in this, but I guess she's a cop with the stripper name. Uh they pull Snake aside and have him watch some holographic surround vision movies Which is that pretty give cool. him that give him and us the audience the lowdown on what's going down. The president who goes unnamed is stuck in a jam and only Snake
0: can help. So w- when Snake is put into a room with the president and Ro Laren and not lizard Stacy Keach. There's something that I'm wondering what if do you, you wonder, watch friend? the watch them come in and the president kind of slinks off to the corner and like he's kind of hiding in yeah, the he shadows stands
1: in the shadows
0: like um, a man in black. If they're all holograms. Why bother? Uh, because they want to trick him. Okay, but he wouldn't necessarily have to stand in the shadows. He could have just been standing behind everybody. The president is a dark, evil person in this film, and so dumbass. he stands in the
1: shadows like a dark, evil person must. Okay. But what happened this time is that the Prez, you see, he had two daughters and one committed suicide. His other daughter, Utopia, maybe maybe his other daughter was named Dystopia, and yeah, that would be something. Uh, but anyway, his surviving daughter, Utopia, in her grief, went online and spent a lot of time in a VR world where she met Cuervo Jones, member of the Shining Path, an international anti-US outfit and the leader of the Mescalino Justice Gang that runs a big part of LA. Joe Jones radicalized the president's daughter and convinced her to come to LA with some stolen tech.
0: And he's Snake, good with his balls. He's
1: good with his balls? Yep. Cuervo Jones is? Yep. How the hell do you he know that? He was able
0: to put them on Snake's neck from kind of far away. I don't remember that scene, but I wish I did. Well, it's balls on a
1: string. Ah, okay. The bolas. Yeah. Yeah, I'll come the <laughs> bolas later. I actually actually have a bit of a complaint about those damn bolas. Snake isn't allowed to know what the stolen tech is and he doesn't like this proposal and as soon as they give him a gun, he shoots at them. He misses because Malloy, Brazen, and the president who are in the room with him are only with him as holograms. I don't
0: think that's a miss. I just think it's he's shooting at non-targets. Pretty much. Because he hits what he's shooting at. It just doesn't do anything because he's shooting at light. They
1: send in a team to retrieve Utopia and her little top secret suitcase but the whole team was killed except for one guy who was still active according to his tracer.
0: Oh, wait a minute. You mean once again he's going after a case? He's going after
1: a briefcase that uh, somebody has in that city that's been walled off by the government to, to lock up a bunch of people. It was the San Fernando Sea that was walled off and uh, LA was uh, in the middle of it.
0: So if San Fernando's now walled off, where does all their porn come from?
1: I, well, you know what? If New York is a prison, uh, you, we'll get to that. But we've got the mission. But in the last one, Snake had little bombs in his neck. Uh, what's this one going to have? Well, in this one, they infected with an experimental virus called Plutoxin Seven that's going to Not to, kill to be him.
0: confused with Trioxin Two Four Five. No,
1: yeah, that is that's a completely different drug which yeah. brings
0: dead people back to life. And uh, the and not just dead people. Butterflies, half dogs. Butterflies,
1: yeah, corp, like dogs that are just uh, half a dog on a on yeah. A, uh, on a display
0: yeah, if it's dead, it won't be anymore. Yeah, not around trioxin gas.
1: Plutoxin is going to kill him in like nine and a half hours because they somebody scraped his hand while he was on his way into the deportation center and infected him with it. So, so now it, we
0: have another movie with a countdown to save your life. Only this time the countdown is shorter. Yeah,
1: it's shorter, so that's ups the uh, stress level. Yeah, in this case would hopefully make for a shorter movie. Uh,
0: well, but anyway, not not necessarily make for a shorter movie, but at least. Give some sense of urgency to it because escape from New York. There wasn't like any time he was captured. It was just gonna. Okay, here we are. There was really no sense of urgency. It wasn't like there was a sense of panic until it's like, "Look, get these things out of me." Other yeah. than that, it was just kind of, "Hey, here we are. Let's do this thing."
1: The Plutoxin Seven will cause complete nervous system shutdown in Snake Pliskin. The only way to stop it is to do the mission, come back, and get the cure. Apparently, the government has a little rule book of ways they manipulate manipulate outlaws into doing their bidding for short periods, or maybe just the Snake Pliskin rule book, either way they've got him just like they did last time yeah deja vu. Yeah, many times over. Snake is only being sent in to get the box with the tech, not retrieve the daughter. In fact, he basically has orders to kill her. The president no, not, not basically, is a, he flat out said, don't yeah. bring her back. Yeah, don't bring her yeah. back and kill her. That's the president's yeah. orders. The president is a real asshole in this one. Any, anyone who commits a crime apparently still goes to New York. Anyone who commits an immoral act apparently is deported to LA. And as you were asking, I, well, I want to know, where's Wall Street in this world? Where do they make movies now? I, I would say they probably make movies in Georgia because they shoot everything in Georgia now. Now, yeah, The president has moved the capital of the U.S. also. He's moved it from D.C. to Lynchburg, Virginia. And now for comparison, according to a 2020 census data, uh, Lynchburg has around 70,000 residents and it's about 49 square miles. Washington, D.C. has 61 square miles and a population of 681,000. 000.
0: But you know what the difference is between Washington, D.C. and Virginia? Mm, what? Virginia's a state.
1: Yes, whereas Washington, D.C. is its own sort of independent city.
0: Yep, which means that the residents have no representation. Ah. Yep, which is why they're trying to make D.C. the next state. They're never
1: going to make another state for any reason. No no, uh, no, American territories or cities or anything are ever going to be made into a state ever again. And you want to know why? Sure, tell me. Because 50 is a good number, and we like the number 50.
0: Yeah, if we make another they...
1: state, we gotta add 51, and 51 yeah. is a weak number. If we add 51, then we have to add nine more. Or just nine... add
0: one more to make 52, like a deck of cards.
1: New deck of cards is a weird comparison. You can't have 52 states, 52 cards. That's a, That, that makes it. America sound like a shuffling, random nonsense place.
0: Bad DC and Puerto Rico.
1: Or we Alice in Wonderland, where there's 52 stars for the 50 Two cards in the deck. Which state is the Red Queen? Makes no sense at all.
0: Like I said, D.C. and Puerto Rico.
1: Anyway, maybe they expanded Lynchburg. None of the story really goes on in Lynchburg. No. I don't know what the joke here is, other than the president is a dick who wouldn't move to the White House from his hometown.
0: I don't know. I never even heard anything about it until they're like, oh yeah, so targeting Lynchburg and that'll take out the Capitol. And he calls his wife. Other than that, I don't remember hearing anything about Lynchburg. Yeah, me either. None of the movie goes on there. No.
1: They don't like cut to Lynchburg.
0: Well, I mean, not even whether they the, any part of the movie goes on there. I don't even remember them talking about it at any point.
1: I think it was mentioned in the very beginning during the narration. But they load Snake up with guns and tech and rope and a knife and throwing stars and what looks like a stun gun and some rope and speed and loaders. Dart. What? And a mouth dart. And a mouth dart. Speed loaders for his guns and what looks like a hairdryer. Uh, they give him a countdown clock on his wrist that's also a tracker to connect with the surviving member of the recovery team they send in. Instead of going on and in on a glider like he did in New York, he's going in on a high-speed, nuclear-powered one-man stealth submarine. And you know what it does? It glides Suck. through the water. Yeah, it <laughs> flames its way through the water, actually. It,
0: it's a nuclear power plant with a jet engine.
1: Yeah, which doesn't... Uh, why do, Why would the jet engine work underwater? All it would do is boil the water.
0: Well, you know there's a lot about this movie that doesn't make sense including why they had, was it Buena Vista? Is that who, who did the yeah, yeah Buena, Buena Vista visual effects? Yeah, we'll get to that. A company that has never done any computer so we'll graphics work that. before this movie. Yes, we're getting to that.
1: But another great Carpenter regular who shows up in the opening scenes is Peter Jason, who appeared in They Live and Prince of Darkness. Cool. John Carpenter used to have this great stable of actors or just people who appeared in multiple pictures for him and it's a
0: it's a long list of pros. Besides, I still don't know uh, be, who you're talking about.
1: Besides Working with Carpenter, uh Peter Jason is the guy, he's the duty officer who is the first one to approach Snake Pliskin when he's getting off the vehicle. And he's the guy who's like, Well, there you are, war hero. What'd you do wrong? And stuff like that. And he leads Snake in front of the cameras and he's like, Tell
0: us, Snake. Oh, he's uh, that he's that old guy that when you first see him, you think he's replacing the dude from the first movie. Yeah. That was in the fog and that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. was he in the fog? No, I, I'm saying it, it. you think that he's replacing oh, the old dude from the first movie. think he's replacing Tom Atkins. Yes, that guy. The guy Tom that was Atkins. in the fog. You, yeah. should, you should learn
1: Tom Atkins' name. The man is a legend.
0: Yeah, he irritates me. Why? I'm not a fan of his, his role in The Fog, and I hate Halloween 3. And those are the <sighs> anyway. only things other than Escape from New York that I really remember seeing him in. He was in Night of the Creeps, great movie. Don't know if I've seen it. No, well, it's a good one. You i might it have, out. but I don't know if I have. I oh. But Peter Jason,
1: uh, besides work with Carpenter, he's got a resume a mile long with voice work, TV appearances. He's the guy who escorts Snake from the van to the deportation center past a bunch of cameras and asks him a bunch of smart-ass questions. Uh, credited as duty officer here, I think there's there's a long interview with him on Shout Factory release. And according to it, he and John Carpenter and Carpenter's wife Sandy are all good friends. And Peter Jason is invited over for Christmas and Thanksgiving. Like that level of close. So that's Peter Jason, and he is a really good friend with John Carpenter. So good for them. Snake gets in the nuclear sub. Uh, First, he tries to kill Brazen and Malloy with his big machine gun called a core burner with magnesium rounds. And I don't know what would be or is special about magnesium rounds, but that's what they loaded Snake up with. Uh, but the first clip that gave him was blanks. Yeah, so
0: which, you know, why? Because it, it's, I mean, it's a good thing that Snake is predictable because if he wasn't predictable, he could have been dead when yeah. they sent him in. If he wouldn't have fired off to try and kill them to begin with, he would have been going in with a clip of blanks without knowing it.
1: Yeah, that would have, uh, that would have maybe cramped his style a little bit.
0: Yeah, that could have completely ruined their plan.
1: Yeah, but Snake gets in the sub, and he goes on a high-speed journey under the dark waters of the San Fernando Sea, as the water around LA is now called, and he pushes the sub to its breaking point to save time. He crashes through a submerged building, slams over some rocks, Overheats the, the engine. Overheating. Overheating, I think you know, overheating a nuclear engine would be kind of worrying. Uh, if I if I was inside a nuclear-powered vehicle and I yes, was overheating I mean, the engine, essentially I would it's be
0: able, a torpedo with a nuclear power plant on it.
1: Yeah, it has fuel rods that he has to insert into a reaction tank to make it run. But uh, he makes it through and jumps the sub out of the water to land on this concrete slab thing that's sticking out into the ocean off this big wall on the edge of L.A. And this then the sub breaks the concrete, thing and you and know just, what happens. Goes flat into the ocean. So Snake Once again, loses.
0: his escape plan. Falls off the edge. Yeah, like uh, the glider did in
1: World Trade. Off the World Trade Center. Yep. So Snake loses his ride back and almost himself with it. Exit strategy revoked. But what really sticks out about the underwater sub journey is just the startlingly bad CGI. Uh, even for the '90s, it looks like
0: crap. And and that wasn't even the worst CGI in the movie. Yeah. Although, you know, Jaws didn't look too bad. No. You mean when Jaws tried
1: to attack the sub? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because they were were going through Universal Studios, and just like Universal Studios has the Jaws ride where the shark comes up out of the water at you, basically he's going through that area, and the shark from the Universal Studios ride comes up and almost gets the sub. The shark in the Universal Studios ride was an animatronic. Yeah. So
1: he was almost bit by an animatronic, is that what you're saying? Okay, that was that, that was was not a real be,
0: shark. No, that was supposed to be the Jaws from Universal Studios. That's why they did that and then right into the big Universal Studios sign, which seems like it should have been after instead of before. Hmm. That just makes me hate the scene more. Yeah. Yeah, the company that made the CGI
1: was Buena Vista Effects or some Buena, such. Buena and-
0: Vista Visual Effects.
1: Uh, thank you. And it was their first foray and CG and the sub looks too shiny underwater. The background looks fake. And there's this weird ripple trail behind the sub that. Well, the ripple trail would
0: make sense. The ripple. Because no, the, the heat coming from the power plant would make sense to have that yeah, ripple. It would behind make
1: it. more sense for there to be like a bubble trail of boiled water with the jet flame.
0: That too. But you're going to have that weird ripple anyway. So that part of it makes sense. They didn't go far enough with it, but that part makes sense. John Carpenter was going for
1: the like a kind of big, amazing spectacle here, and maybe it would have worked if the CGI had been better. As yes. for now, it's it's a big build up with a sub. It's like powering up like the Batmobile and everything, and then it's just this murky underwater letdown. Yeah, it just doesn't work, nope. and it's like it's just like sticking out like a sore thumb. Like this is bad CG, yeah. and it's like some, and it it's starts like before wa- he
0: even gets underwater. When he first gets in it, and you see the the top close, the the top canopy close over him. Even there, it's like what the hell is this? Yeah. And this wasn't just, well, that's yeah, bad CG because it's the 90s. It was bad CG for the day. I saw this in theater and I'm sitting there like, what the hell is this? This just looks like crap.
1: Yeah. It just sticks out like a sore thumb.
0: Yeah. And again, that's not even the worst of it. It
1: has this great buildup where the sub is powering up and you're about to like, you're, like you're about to watch this high speed Adventure shot and uh, no, yeah, it stops the movie kind of dead in its tracks when you're supposed to be getting this great momentum. Yep, but Snake is in LA, he's sort of accosted by surfers who don't like his tre- don't like trespassers on their beach. Uh, but the guy who accosts him turns out to be cool, Peter Fonda. Cool, yeah, Captain America from Easy Rider himself is this laid back surfer dude who recognizes Snake and gives him directions to the Hollywood Bowl because that's where Snake is headed to find Querbo, well,
0: you know. Python did it so why not snake? Yeah,
1: there you go. Python played the Hollywood Bowl,
0: you mean? Yes, Monty Python at the Hollywood Bowl. There you go. Have Classic, you ever seen uh, that comedy album? That was a great show.
1: Much like in Escape from New York, people recognize Snake. Uh, this time, instead of saying they thought he was dead, they say they thought he was taller. They decide to go roadhouse. Yeah. Snake doesn't care. He just heads into L.A. Uh, he comes down a pile of rubble and finds a busy street full of scantily clad women and gun-toting men. And everyone basically looks like they're getting along, though. Yeah. He follows his watch thingy to the signal of the last surviving rescue soldier and finds the guy's body being used by skinheads for knife-throwing target Lewis. practice. Where he meets Louis Skolnick. And in this lobby, it looks like a fancy hotel. Uh, The hotel has all the lights on, though, and what looks like a well-stocked bar populated by more scantily clad women with titty tassels and tough-looking guys. Yep. Snake asks one of the ladies where he can find Cuervo Jones, and she tells him that Cuervo is about to have a big event over on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, Snake is accosted by a skinhead on the way out, but just the same skinhead. Yeah, same skinhead who was throwing knives. It was played by Robert Carradine, who's famous for playing Seymour in Revenge of the Nerds.
0: I'm sorry, Louis Skolnick. Is is there even a Seymour in Revenge of the Nerds? Because every time I hear Seymour, I think Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, Yeah, that was probably what I was thinking of. But
1: Snakeheads for Sunset. It's a kind of Post apocalypse outdoor street market populated by tough guys with
0: guns and more scantily clad women. Surprise, surprise. More guns and more scantily clad women.
1: One thing that strikes you about L.A. is that while New York was kind of a deserted, dark hellscape with violent types lurking around the corners and being all scary and stuff, L.A. is more social. People seem to have public zones where they can gather and mingle. The ladies see Snake walk by and seem to take a lot of notice because he's Mr. Handsome himself, Kurt Russell, with macho stubble. He does also, get a lot of attention like from the ladies. He does. Also, he's dressed like he just stepped out of the Matrix in black and silver get-up with a leather trench. Coat. When did the Supposed Matrix be, come out? Sorry,
0: when did the Matrix? Oh, it come out? it came out in 1999. So this didn't this come out in 99? It came out in 96. 96. So so the Matrix was dressed like him. A little bit, yeah. The Matrix ripped off Escape from LA. I'm sticking I with it. I doubt it, but possibly. Not. I'm uh, sticking
1: with that. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, that's. Snake's supposed to be wearing a stealth suit to make him invisible to infrared or whatever. The movie never shows anyone tracking anyone infrared, except the government back at their bunker trying to track Snake. Uh, when he suits up in the outfit, the soundtrack plays this bluesy, rough, tough guy music. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, Snake is seen wearing the exact same outfit he had on in Escape from New York. Uh, and I guess this was like an edgy 90s upgrade. It basically works. Snake is all in black, and everyone else in L.A. is a bit more colorful, so there's a bit of contrast there. Uh, Snake I mean, arrives it is on...
0: Easier to- hide if you're wearing clothes that make it so you can't be seen. True. Very true, I suppose. I mean, that's just the way I see it.
1: A snake arrives on sunset shortly before Cuervo Jones and the President's daughter Utopia appear at the head of a motorcade. Cuervo is in a red convertible with a bunch of baby doll heads glued to the hood and the top of the windshield and a big disco ball on the trunk. So again, I like the, the car Dukes. with a disco
0: ball. Yeah,
1: I, I like the Duke chandelier car better.
0: That's okay. I like what's riding in the car better.
1: Uh, you Grim is a fan of A.J. Langer, yes, uh, as he's mentioned. But as Cuervo is driving down his motorcade, he's followed by guys in rundown trucks and one guy's even on horseback and guys on motorcycles. The snake hijacks one of the motorcycles and tries to get to the head of the
0: motorcade. Oh, so he, like when he stole one of the Duke's cars.
1: Yeah. He does pretty well because Cuervo's men kind of come off as stupid or incompetent. There's a bit where Snake is between two bikers who are about to shoot him and he pops a wheelie and zooms out from in
0: between them. Because somehow popping a wheelie with your back to them is going to make it harder for you to get hit from all the gunfire coming from these fully automatic weapons being shot at you from two people.
1: Yeah. He doesn't zoom out particularly fast, and it's pretty unrealistic that the two thugs
0: would still fire. Well, they fired a lot and missed wildly.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Snake loses his core burner machine gun in the chase, so he's already lost that and the submarine. Uh, Yeah, because that
0: was, was it a chain? Something they used to hit his hand and knock it out of his hand, and then they tried to wrap the chain around his bike or something, and he hits the brakes, and the dude that did that flew off the bike and his bike went into a pile of something and blew up. And now was like, oh my God, that's, that's snake. You know, i got to put my balls on his neck. He almost makes it to the head of the motorcade and is like
1: climbing on a truck behind Cuervo, who looks back and recognizes Snake and says like, oh, he used to be a major player, but he's like forgotten now.
0: I heard he's slowed down.
1: Yeah. Utopia has never heard of him, but she's lived a sheltered life. Cuervo doesn't like Snake busting up his motorcade, though. So what does Cuervo do? He throws a bola around Snake's neck, so he falls off the car he's on. Then the motorcade speeds off and Cuervo tells his remaining guys to take out Snake.
0: Mm, yeah, sounds about right.
1: Yeah, because Ebola. It's like, it's the most useless weapon
0: no. at the time.
1: It, it, I mean, it worked. But, yeah, it's I an mean,
0: amazing weapon. He could have shot
1: Snake and been done with the whole thing. The movie would it's have ended. It's not as artsy. No, not as artsy. Snake is confronted by four guys with machine guns. After he falls down, he loses his cool leather coat with some of his tech in it. So that's more gear lost. Yet uh, one
0: again, qu- he gets shit
1: stolen from him. One of Cuervo's men, who has a thing for long coat, sees Snake's coat on the ground and runs off with it. Snake confronts the four guys and says, I'm going to give you a chance. Let's play Bangkok rules. He picks up a conveniently existing rusty tin can on the ground and says, I throw this. Where it lands, we shoot. Got it. The guys all back up and aim uh, at Snake.
0: no what he says let's play Bangkok rules they all start to back up he slowly crouches down picks up the can and says nobody draws until this hits the ground I said it in a cool voice well yeah but I said what he said so take take what I said and put it in his voice no no I'm not telling you I'm telling telling people listening just take what I said and put it in that voice
1: fair enough either way snake throws up the can Pulls aside pieces and shoots the guys while he can, while the can is still in the air, breaking the rules. It lands and he just says, "Draw." Well, to was nobody. it the
0: rules or was it a trick? I'd it was say a trick. It was a
1: trick because Snake is an anti-hero and doesn't play by the rules,
0: pretty much. Snake still has his walkie
1: talkie and calls Malloy back in the deportation center. Malloy and Brazen and the Prez are in this big control room now where they sort of are for the most of the rest of the movie. And Snake tells him that he needs more time because he lost a lot of his gear. Malloy says, tough shit, find the box, finish the mission. Snake finds a uh, little. What?
0: I don't remember him saying he needs more time. I remember him saying that... I believe he said he needs more time. Well, I don't know how he would have got more time because... I don't either. That wasn't possible. I know he said they asked him what he was going to do and he said, I'm going to watch the parade and then all that shit with Cuervo happened.
1: Yeah, but afterwards, I think he said he needed more time because he lost the core burner.
0: I don't know if it was he needed more time or he needed needed time to think or something or... Because I don't remember him saying, I need more time. I do remember him saying, I need more time. I, don't know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong too.
1: Maybe we're both wrong. Maybe this movie was a fantasy that we both experienced through some twisted it reality. was really a movie
0: called Escape from L.A.? I'm not sure. Or were now we just I, I wonder, delusional and making all this up?
1: I wonder if Descartes was wrong and the universe is just this Escape from L.A. nightmare was just something I experienced and that you've experienced as well. But we're just fools talking to shadows. That could be. Yeah,
0: that would suck. I mean, the power has been going out here quite a bit, so I mean, it could be a sign.
1: Maybe there, maybe but we'll never again, get any listeners. it's hot as hell, and it's
0: California, so we're getting power outages.
1: We'll never get any listeners because the the demon doesn't let our pretend podcast through into their reality.
0: Uh, unless the podcast's not real either. Are yeah, you man, real? Who knows? Are you just a figment of my imagination? I mean, I've never I, met I, you, so I don't know. Are you, or am I talking to AI right now?
1: If you're talking to AI, the AI has a nice beard. That's all I'm saying.
0: Well, I like my beard. See, I've not seen your hands, and AI has a hard time with hands. It, it can do beards. Okay. Well, your yeah. hand looks normal.
1: One of them, yeah. <laughs> Snake finds a little shack on sunset with a chair. What the torn was that that turn
0: Talk about Snake going finds
1: off topic. A little shack on Sunset with a chair turned on its side, like 10 feet down the road. And he writes the chair and wait, wait, sits wait, down wait, on wait, it. Wait, wait,
0: wait, Are but, you telling me that he's going to go and take a seat and relax? Yeah, just like in Escape from New York. Just like in the other movie that was like, okay, I, I need to regroup. and he does it again Hmm. by just sitting on his ass
1: it's like they're checking off boxes
0: yeah it's like they just remade the same movie That's
1: another callback to the moment from the first movie when he just sat down in new york after his first attempt to find the president failed a lot of the movies seemed concerned with hitting these little hitting these little moments it hit in the first movie like replaying them for this reason the movie feels often less like a sequel than it does a remake well i I did
0: see one thing where he made kind of of a, and I don't know if it was an offhanded comment or if he was if this was serious or what but he made some kind of a comment about this is more of a parody on the first movie and action movies in general and if you Be watch that, it in that uh, mo- in that mindset it does change the movie quite a bit yeah because it is
1: a campy over the top kind of uh, free-for-all kind of movie. there's
0: that word again over the top it's not you, not a you word, know at it's some point words. we're gonna have to cover that movie. Just, a movie called the, the, the amount of time top. you talk oh, about with, Over the uh, Top. Oh, with
1: Sylvester Stallone? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> Flo-
0: <laughs> I'm guessing you're not a fan of that movie. Not a big fan. Me either, but, but you say it so many times, it's almost like we uh, have uh, to.
1: Yes, I, I need to buy a thesaurus for a... You know, find more terms. There's a rumor floating around that Carpenter might get to do a sequel for The Thing, and people are excited by that, but if Escape from L.A. is any indication on what Carpenter is like in sequel mode, maybe we shouldn't get our hopes too far up. Then again, maybe Carpenter has learned from his mistakes here, and the sequel to The Thing would be a completely different movie? I don't know. I hope so.
0: Well, it can't be worse than the prequel. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Because it could definitely be worse than the prequel. It could. Because the prequel, I mean, it. the prequel really wasn't that bad if you take the horrible CG out of it.
1: What's sad about thats uh is effects made a lot of wonderful... Oh, well, uh, they were not happy. ...practical effects for the Thing prequel. And uh, they were state-of-the-art homages to Rob Botton's amazing effects from the first movie. And uh, the director or directors of the prequel...
0: The studio. Decided
1: to yeah, screw it and say we're gonna do it all in CGI well, because
0: Yeah, the studio thought the practical effects weren't good enough. So they said do it in CGI.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, apparently I, I've heard this from uh, a few CGI or er, er, from practical effects makers is that modern directors don't trust practical effects because oftentimes practical effects can only be shot from one angle. And modern directors are obsessed with coverage uh, and that, being and able to show it goes things wrong, from that
0: it's a pain to go back and fix.
1: No, not, not just that. They're, they're obsessed with uh, we want to be able to show up from any angle no matter what. Yeah. And and that means making it in CGI, so it's there as a digital element that we can see from all angles. Well, see, that and just like makes me think they're about the Exorcist. To make a,
0: what that makes me think about the Exorcist because what about the Exorcist? when she did that projectile pea soup vomit, it wasn't supposed to hit him in the face. And he was kind of upset that he got hit in the face with it. It was supposed to hit him like more on the chest. But when he got hit in the face and made an issue, they had to clean everything off and do it again. And they still ended up with him getting hit in the face because it was a better shot. But the amount of time lost because it didn't come off just right and having to clean up and reset, I could see why practical effects could be an issue as far as that aspect
1: yeah, but how much money? Okay, you're saving money in, in a little bit in production costs, and that you don't have to reset the practical effects for a second shot. But then you're spending twice that amount to have decent CGI anyway. That's going to take weeks or months to finish. Mm-hmm. So you're so what are you really getting when you when you go for the CGI route? Except safety and this uh, inability oh, to decide on Cameron. composition. I'm sorry.
0: Ask James Cameron. I I would if I knew the man. Because, you know, he uses CGI all the time. Yes, I mean, but that's the purpose
1: of his films. He's he's making movies that are pure spectacle, CGI
0: spectacle. Yeah. I mean, and that's yet, you like know what his CGI is? thesis. What? Way more believable than the CGI in this movie. Indeed it is.
1: <laughs> Snake is sitting down, taking a break, which was actually one of my oh, favorite crap. parts. I forgot of the we were still in on It was one of my favorite parts of the first one. But anyway, here is just a rehash. Mm-hmm. He's snuck up on a little by Steve Buscemi. In the New York, it was Chuds who showed up when Snake sat down. And in this one, it's Steve Buscemi as Map to the Stars Eddie, kind of sleazy, fast-talking, over-the-top character who is sort of like this movie's
0: cabbie. He's he's kind of like a combination of cabbie and the brain. Instead of Pinky and the brain, it's cabbie and the brain.
1: Steve Buscemi is a great actor, and you haven't heard of him? Well, you're just silly. He,
0: if you haven't heard of him, where have you been hiding?
1: Yeah. I mean, he was Donnie and Big Lebowski, which we covered on this podcast. He was in Fargo. He was in Reservoir Dogs. He was in Miller's Crossing as Mink, which we also covered. I think he was in Armageddon with Bruce Willis. He's been in a ton of stuff. And he was hot, hot hot, from his breakout hits in the 90s when he did this movie. And boy, does he just play the hell out of this part. Yeah. Unfortunately, Maps at the Stars, Eddie is this insufferable kind of professional hanger-on who mingles with the big guys in LA and sells maps in these little mini disc remotes explaining the dangers of different territories in the island city.
0: He's got the Hollywood agent mentality.
1: Yeah, uh, Snake has enough of Eddie pretty quick. He asks where Cuervo is, and Eddie points in a direction and like, Oh yeah, Cuervo. Actually, a good friend of mine. I've been representing him for a while. Need one of the, my maps, though. Otherwise, you have to go to, through Beverly Hills. Snake ignores him and just fucks off.
0: Is it that he gets tired of him, or he just is like, Look, I have a deadline here, or I'm going to be dead on this line here. Is there anybody who Snake gives a crap about besides hot women? Yes.
1: Who? Him. Okay, yeah, himself in hot <laughs> and Hot Women. Name one male character in, in, in either of the movies that Snake seems warm or
0: friendly with. Um, Well, there was this hologram of him. What? I'm talking about the end of the movie. Yeah, we haven't got to that part yet. Oh, well, okay.
1: Eddie speaks in this kind of ridiculous, fast-talking Hollywood agent patter that comes off as annoying as fuck and just advertises that Eddie is a but weasel. But it's
0: a, a way of that fast-talking. It's, it's Bushimi's just... So good at that.
1: Yeah, he's great at it, but unfortunately, in this movie, it's, it's, I, I just find the entire character completely just insufferable.
0: Yeah, well, that's the point of it. Well, it worked well. Yeah, he, he's, he can pull off that just annoying character really well.
1: Snake makes his way into Beverly Hills and runs into a woman hiding behind a bush, warning him to stay down. Uh, there's these guys in dark cloaks roaming about, roaming in the street below. Uh, she tries to warn Snake to stay quiet and stay put. But he ignores her and heads into the street where he is shot with a net gun. And you know how to pretty... tell
0: this is a Snake Plissken movie and not like a Steven Seagal movie? Why? Because she's hiding in the bush and that's a Snake Plissken movie. A Steven Seagal movie, he's trying to hide in her bush.
1: Uh, ha 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 ha. <laughs> Steven um,
0: Seagal's a creep. I'm sorry. Yes.
1: Steven Seagal is uh, a fucking a, He's weirdo. not a smart man.
0: No, he's an a asshole.
1: But Snake gets shots with a net gun, which is pretty lucky for Snake. Uh, He's been caught dead to rights three times now. Once by Peter Fonda, who could have just shot him, but turned out to be chill. He was bowled by Cuervo when Cuervo could have just shot him. He managed uh, that Bangkok rules trick with Cuervo's men. And now he's caught in a net gun when he could have just had his head blown off. So that's actually four times.
0: Map of the Stars Eddie could have shot him too.
1: Yeah, could have. Snake is wildly lucky. Yeah snake and the girl are both caught. And we see the girl is played by the beautiful Valeria Galino. You the know what we accent- saw, though?
0: We saw ambulances attacked by Jawas. I didn't. I don't remember that part. Yeah, when they're in the bushes and you see the ambulances pull up and you see all these figures in these little hooded cloaks. It looks like ambulances, mm-hmm. ambulances attacked by Jawas. Or uh,
1: minions from Phantasm.
0: Yeah, that too. Or just people wearing cloaks. I thought it was just funnier to picture them as Jawas, though. Because the way they just ransack the ambulance and start pulling shit out, it's kind of like Jawas just attacking... Uh, or not oh, the, attacking, scavenging. They didn't say, Utini, did they? No, they, there was none of that. All right. Then. They didn't have the glowing eyes or any of that thing like that. But you see them from behind and at a, at a distance.
1: Valerie Gallino, the Italian accented beauty, famous for the Hot Shots films uh, as Tom Cruise's love interest in Rain Man, and more recently, Portrait of a Lady on Fire from 2019. That sounds uh, painful. She's got like,
0: I'm sorry. That sounds painful being on fire yes indeed. uh
1: she's got like a david bowie mullet in this and a long coat so she's sort of
0: not her normal smoking hot self oh i don't know because i mean she was wearing a low cut and kind of pushed up she was yeah she was look, she was looking pretty good The the hair was a little weird but she was looking pretty good uh, so far she's been the most she she has been the most attractive if you are looking for something other than sleazy if you're just looking for sleazy naked women or something like that then you can pretty much just kind of have your pick but if you're looking for just an everyday attractiveness that's not some whore on the corner. But then again, she does say, my boyfriend and I just broke up, so I would like to service you.
1: Uh, there's nothing everyday about Valeria Galino. I, I would just like to say that. I, I um, could look at her every day. John Carpenter was lucky to have her in this movie, uh, mm-hmm. but I sort of got the impression that she might have been a month or two with child. And her she, costume and the shots were designed to hide her little baby bump. I, I could be wrong. I haven't found any trivia or factoids confirming this, but Valeria Galeno is like wearing more clothes than any other woman seen so far in L.A., and I feel like that must have been a reason. There must have I been a reason don't know because she's I normally would. this exotic and startlingly beautiful bombshell.
0: I, I don't know if I would jump to that conclusion because she she even had more of a... Just normal person rather than streetwalker type. And so far, all the women have been more of a streetwalker type. True. Snake and the so
1: far unnamed woman are captured and taken to a kind of rundown hospital area populated by people who look extremely messed up. It turns out Beverly Hills is run by this colony of plastic surgery addicts whose muscles turn to jello from too many surgeries, and they can only survive by having their parts replaced from fresh victims. And you know what else? They're led by Ash Williams. Yes. Who performs the surger, the surgeries? Why, Bruce Campbell himself is the Surgeon, surgeon General, General of Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills. Bruce is wearing heavy makeup that makes him look like he's had chemical peels and facelifts and cheek implants and had his chin re-sculpted, which is sacrilege. And forehead uh,
0: implants. and
1: Yeah. yeah. And sacrilege, though, because everyone knows that the chin has a perfect chin.
0: Well, even in this, they kind of give some emphasis to the chin. Rick Baker did the
1: makeup and Bruce Campbell does a fine job, with the small part as like an evil surgeon who wears scrubs and a meat apron.
0: This is one that how you tend to say, like, when you talk about what would you change? Oh, I would have more of this person. I want more of him. I want more of that character. You want him to come back
1: at the end and want revenge?
0: No, I just, I want more of that story. I want more of that character, whether it's before this, like everything leading up to this point. I want more of that just because I think him in that role, just the quirkiness that he brings to it at the same time, just that weird twisted darkness. Yeah. I was just so entertaining. And I would say a good portion of their makeup budget is probably in this one scene probably Probably. because they did an amazing job with the prosthetics in this scene
1: and all all the, the nurses and the, uh, the, the cast offs
0: who lived with the surgeon, the, the prosthetics in this scene were far better than the CG in the entire movie. That's yeah. for sure.
1: They could have got somebody to do a miniature shots. They could have hired Phil Tippett to do the submarine chase underwater and it would have been better than the CGI.
0: So, okay. Escape from New York. You made a comment about how the plane crashed into the building and yet we see the parts on the ground. Yeah. Well, we it don't, don't make see sense. the plane fell. crash into the building. We see, we it on see the computer it because screen. they couldn't afford to actually do something like that, so we see it on this on the computer screen. So we don't know did it actually crash there, or did their computer say it because of you know sometimes your GPS thinks you're on the road next to the freeway or something like that, just because you're so close to it, mm-hmm. it, it could have been just an error like that. And this kind of has that same like, is that really what's going on? Or not, sorry, this could have had that same thing where it's like they could have shown the sub under the water in a, in a computer graphic thing rather than having that horrible CG. They could have done something more like the plane. I could
1: have just done like an Indiana Jones thing where it's a red dot on a map.
0: Yeah, they could have done that too.
1: Just shown like a snake's face inside the submarine, and like,
0: uh, or done it know. like they did when they were showing the, the helicopter coming back and showing LA, uh, this island, and then the mainland, and just having the dot traveling. It could have, but uh, Bruce Campbell's
1: makeup is pretty wild. He he looks like a mix of a Ken doll meets Frankenstein's monsters or monster.
0: Mm, yeah, that's I, I can, I can see that.
1: And Bruce does a fine job in the role he, as he comes up on Snake and his lady friend and starts to try to cut out Snake's remaining eye. Uh, Snake has a poison mouth dart, though, that he shoots the Surgeon General right in the forehead
0: with. Yeah, and what's Surgeon the end game here? What is the, the plan? plan? Well, we're we're going to try to do this podcast. Well, no. Okay, smartass. So, for one, it's amazing that he can manage to undo the zipper or whatever on his shoulder to get that mouth dart out anyway. But then he uses it and shoots Bruce in the forehead. What is his plan? Because if he didn't fall just right to cut him loose, he would have just had Bruce laying on the floor while he's still tied up. And it's possible that
1: Snake was able was going to sneak out a boot knife and cut himself free because he How? did get this
0: little knife. I don't know. I mean, his arms were tied to a side. He he. The only way he was able to get anything was by reaching over, like, or not reaching over, by turning his head and pulling the dart out of his shoulder pocket with his mouth.
1: Snake could Snake is wildly lucky, and he was <sighs> able to time it and angle it just right so when the Surgeon General leaned in, that he would fall. That the Surgeon General would fall on the ropes with his weird weird. weird saw
0: scalpel thing yeah if he didn't fall just right he could have sliced snake open he could have not cut anything at all and just been on the ground that move was kind of a last-ditch effort to keep him from cutting his eye out and just happened to be lucky enough to free him that's the only thing I can see the surgeon accidentally
1: cuts Snake's ropes. Snake grabs surgeon's gun to put it to his head and says, give me back my stuff. I'm out of here. They give him back his guns. The snake is going to leave Valeria Galino, but she asks him not to, and Snake tells the weird alien-looking nurses to free her too. They dump the Surgeon General and make a break for it, escaping into the
0: underground tunnels under L.A. The nurses kind of remind me of, well, without all the bloody scars, but remind me of the nurses in Silent Hill.
1: I thought they were, they reminded me of the the pig doctor the pig faced doctor people from Twilight Zone.
0: Yeah, I can see that too.
1: Yeah, because the nurses are like they like the surgeon has performed surgeries on the very nurses' faces to make heavily, them look more like
0: himself. They've all been very heavily plastic surgeried Yeah, like too much, like yes. way too much plastic
1: surgery. I mean, there are people out there who get addicted to plastic surgery and just do too
0: much plastic surgery
1: we find out valeria girlino's character's name is taslima i believe
0: i don't know I, I every time i hear her say it i think i have to turn the captions on to figure out what the hell her name is and i forget me, to do it
1: yes it was taslima uh her name is taslima and she used to run with a gang called the black jihad and they would drive golf carts around to these tunnels so she can get snake to where he needs to yeah, be
0: she was a gun runner
1: yeah they talk, kind of become friends. Snake isn't much for having male friends, but he does get along with the ladies. Uh, she takes him to what looks like an automobile graveyard. She warns him that he's in Korean dragon territory now and to watch his back. I don't know if that's much of a trade-off, though. I mean, thanks. I'm out of the one dangerous area, but you've led me to another.
0: Uh, well, we, I mean, they're all dangerous
1: areas. Yeah, so we can I, just I, take I, these tunnels all the way to Cuervo's place? Well, thanks that would nothing make more haughty. sense. Yeah. But, you but, you know, know she, hit-
0: she is season's replacement. She's she, oh yeah.
1: Uh, she exactly. is
0: the hot girl that shows them attention that you think, well, maybe there's gonna be something going on, and then suddenly bam, she's gone.
1: Yeah. She's the girl from chock full of nuts yeah. in this movie. Yep. But she hits on Snake and she says she just broke up with her boyfriend. And
0: like pretty much other every other woman.
1: Yeah, and uh, maybe Snake would like to come back to her place for
0: some company, but he's on a schedule. Because she broke up, just broke up with her boyfriend last night. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm done with Johnny. Found Snake Bluskin, but she's talking about how L.A. isn't so bad, and then she is shot by the Korean dragons. So it goes to show what a nice place it is.
0: Well, you know, as soon as she says that, she's going to die. It's like I'll be back.
1: Yeah, uh, Snake leaves her body and heads toward Cuervo's place, where he runs back into maps to the stars, Eddie, who picks Snake up. Uh, turns yeah, out and th-
0: that was another nice little, just like Cabbie, shit's going down, and this car conveniently comes and picks you up. Mm-hmm. It
1: turns out this was lucky for Eddie, though, because he's driving one of Cuervo's cars, and it has a booby trap in the glove compartment that shoots Snake in the chest with darts. Yeah, didn't the he darts call are-
0: it a fun gun?
1: Yeah, the darts are drugged so that Snake is incapacitated. Eddie keeps talking as Snake falls into a stupor because Eddie never shuts the fuck up. Mm, Yeah. Pretty much Mm -hmm. the president and Malloy and brazen think snake is dead and the president is ready to order an airstrike much like how in escape from New York Hawk and Remy and the secretary of state had given up on snake and were ready to send in an invasion force. Malloy talks up snake and says like snake Plissken has been as good as dead too many times to count, but he always makes it through.
0: Yeah. There's a couple of times when, when that comes up where it's like, he's dead. He's been dead a lot. Just, just wait for it. I'm sure he'll be back. You can't keep him down. People are always thinking he's dead. Yep. Snake wakes up in a basement
1: where Quervo Jones is with his people. Uh, Snake is tied to a treadmill that they turn on to make him walk while Quervo broadcasts on TV. A hacker character, played by Leland Orser in an early role, he would go on to be one of the lust victims in Seven and tons of other roles, explains what's in the black box is a little mini-disc remote thing identical to the one that Eddie uses to put his narrated maps on because, wow, smartphones really took sci-fi writers by surprise, you know? Nobody well, predicted that they we would have these little that, touch though? screens.
0: I thought they showed it in the beginning. No, they didn't. Cuz uh, cuz I remember seeing Roleran with like I said before, a, a mini disc tricorder. Uh yeah, she
1: had one to control the holograms because those are like the those are what, yeah. like, like what smartphones are in Escape from LA. Yeah. Like and, everybody has All these are these remote remotes. controls. Yeah, they're just remote controls for all the awesome tech that's surrounding you in in the future of
0: 2013 yeah and you just swap out this little tiny disc that's in it that tells the remote control what it's supposed to control yeah which seems like too much work in escape from
1: new york the vital tech was a message on a cassette tape in 1997. this movie set in 2013 and things are these clunky mini disc remotes at least the cops and the giant visors have better guns instead of just m16s there was
0: was still i mean discs were still a big thing in 2013. yeah but mini discs never took off really well then i don't remember them ever getting that small either Yeah, true. Because I have mini disks, and they were definitely not that small.
1: It turns out that the remote in the black box that the president's daughter stole is a remote that controls an array of satellite weapons called the Sword of Damocles.
0: Yeah, explain this
1: to me. What this thing can do is if you punch in a few codes and hit return on the remote, you can use a targeted EMP to disable technology anywhere in the world with Mm -hmm. pinpoint accuracy. And how does that work? You can take out a single cab on the street, or you can disable an entire country. It Mm -hmm. has
0: uh, nuclear-style
1: weapons Mm -mm. up on the satellites.
0: What They are mega-neutron bombs. Mega-neutron bombs. Are those a real thing? Each satellite contains a mega-neutron bomb, and when it's detonated... Then you can use the EMP from the detonation to target certain areas. My question now, is That
1: seems to me like every satellite would have one bomb that you could generate exactly. one EMP from. Yes. And then that satellite would be useless and need to be rearmed.
0: Well, n- not useless and need to be rearmed, it would be annihilated. A mega neutron bomb blowing up in a satellite, I would say, would probably completely annihilate the satellite.
1: I don't, you know, well, come to think, but I think we see the bombs going off later in the film,
0: don't we? We see little pops, but we don't see anything that looks like it would be a neutron bomb. And even then it's like you get a little detonation and then you have beams, but how would the thing be reusable? And why is there a world code? Why would you create something with a code that would just completely target the entire world and take out? Every bit of electronics.
1: I don't know. Why would you build a Death Star that can destroy entire planets and then leave a, a little air vent in one spot that goes all the way to the reaction core? Because somebody has to figure out a way to beat it. That's why. And the in the, in the story requires the, the, the technology have a weakness.
0: That's not a, well, I guess technically an EMP is a weakness for electronics, but it's kind of like, why why would you create something like that? I mean, I could see needing to have some kind of a vent for a weapon that big that's also basically a moon-sized ship. But you would think you would station, put some kind of— It's still a ship.
1: It's a battle station.
0: Well, yeah. Well, you know, guess what a battleship is? It's still a ship. Guess what an aircraft carrier is? It's still a ship.
1: Yes, but the uh, Death Star was shaped like a circle. Therefore, it's a it's a battle station.
0: But it's still a ship. And ships ships shape are shaped like circles. Ball. Um, What are they shaped like? They're shaped the like X ships. X-Wings, B-Wings, TIE Fighters, Millennium Falcon, they're, shaped, they're right? all ships. And they're yeah, all and completely they're like different ship. shapes.
1: And the Death Star shaped like a battle station. It's a big sphere.
0: Okay. So like a planetoid. W- why can't a sphere be a ship? Because it can't, unless
1: it's really small. Uh, like Honda, Pando, Baba's car.
0: So have you, have you watched Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yes. And, that, those and you were, know what that, that, that ship Wonderful is? sphere ships. That That ship but, is a big ball. Yeah. Well, which one? In the Hitchhiker's Guide movie.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, the Heart of Gold was a big role. Uh-huh. In the book, it was a shoe. Well, in the book,
0: it was lots of things. Yeah, it, could, it changed shape various yeah. times.
1: Anyway, with our... <laughs> With Ooh, our make believe topic again. Our make believe EMP weapon that has a world code for some reason. Uh, you can take out a single cab on a street or you can disable an entire country. Or the uh, entire Cu- world. Cuervo and his Shining Path allies are going to use the device to coincide with a bunch of attacks on the American mainland out of Cuba. The president and his cronies in control room see Snake on TV during Cuervo's broadcast and see he's alive, so airstrike
0: cancel. Mm, yeah, sounds like a good plan. Yeah.
1: Cuervo goes on TV like a slacker Che Guevara looking Bond villain and tells the president to let him and the people out of LA or he'll use the Sword of Damocles to take out all the technology in the U.S.
0: My favorite line in the movie is in this
1: conversation. And since the president disobeyed Cuervo's orders by sending Snake Pliskin in, Cuervo will use the doomsday device to shut down Lynchburg, Virginia, the new U.S. capital. That's the only time Lynchburg comes up in the movie. Yep, as far as I know. You know, take that,
0: Lynchburg. Well, the president, after he says he's going to target, or no, he, he says something, Roe says he's targeting Lynchburg, and that'll take out the Capitol. The president freaks, calls his wife on the phone. She's freaking out. Did you? Are you seeing this on TV? And then suddenly the phone hangs up and you hear the click of it hanging up for some reason. And then he says my favorite line in the movie.
1: Where he brags about kind of nailing President daughter.
0: If your wife is anything like your daughter, she's sweet to eat, but you just can't shut her up. Yeah. I just, I love that line. And then you hear her off on the side telling him to stop yeah she chides him off screen but just the way he delivers that line is like that that is the ultimate like you've already stuck that knife in and twisted it now you're pouring salt and lemon and rubbing it in and laughing at him at the same time
1: well, it's uh, it takes a lot of balls to screw the king's daughter and then brag about it to his face after using a doomsday weapon on his hometown. Yeah, But Utopia doesn't seem to like L.A. It's not all wine and roses for her. Snake hears and sees all this while on a treadmill because apparently being tied to a treadmill after being drugged is the worst kind of torture Cuervo doles out. Uh, Snake I don't know lost if it was a- that
0: or just that was a convenient place to put him.
1: I, yeah, we have this dusty treadmill in the basement here, so let's just tie Snake to it.
0: You needed to handcuff him to something where you could keep an eye on him, because look what happens when you're not watching him. True. Fucker escapes. You need to keep an eye on him, keep him where you can see, so lock him up. Well, what do we have here? Well, we can lock him to this treadmill.
1: In our hacker basement with all yeah. of our armed thugs.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean? You go down there in the dungeon, you, you got your honeypot in her lingerie he's not using her for anything more than a bargaining chip in a honey hole. What's a honey hole? It's what she's got underneath her underwear.
1: Oh, okay. Pervert. Um, <laughs> an escape from New York, Snake had under 24 hours to Have find you the president. Have never heard that term? No, I never have. In this, he has just nine hours from the moment he's infected with the Plutoxin 7. Uh, so he has a lot less time and he just lost a lot of time being drugged. But to me, based on the island map paintings of LA from a distance we get to see, LA doesn't seem all that big.
0: No, it's smaller for- than New York or smaller than Manhattan.
1: Yeah. From afar, it just looks like a city block of skyscrapers on an island. I mean, that maybe that was just a visible tip though from that vantage point. Either way, Snake is yeah, running just out of time the tip. and yeah, you know, he's getting sicker <laughs> by the minute as the Plutoxin 7 rim up things he he just wants you to see the tip nothing else yeah well that's uh la is basically flashing (laughs) the world right there yeah well
0: you mean you got all the scantily clad women you just show the tip
1: this has gone south quick but they suck more when cuervo takes him to an arena nearby which was the hollywood bowl there cuervo has prisoners fight in deadly gladiatorial combat for the entertainment of his loyal followers of overdone and overacting extras in the stands who are all armed to the teeth and keep their guns raised in the air cheering costly which i personally hate when i see it
0: is this the inspiration for squid games
1: i don't know trauma movies do this a lot with these crowds of extras who are just way Well, i mean in. just
0: this game like you're playing for your life no i don't because this was. is a very squid gamey type setup they got going on kind of with the basketball yeah and yeah. The, the, okay. I know the first guy. He was shot. That wasn't the same guy as the gigantic Clippers, right? That was a different guy, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was a different guy. So what was he doing? Because that wasn't basketball. I have no
1: idea. I think he was just some rando who Cuervo got pissed at, and he just and he made him play the
0: game. Well, yeah, but I didn't I didn't see him playing basketball, or did I miss he, that?
1: Who the guy who got his head cut off with the yeah. shears? Yeah. The shears from Exorcist Three.
0: Sure. I, just I think remember those they were, were the actual shears.
1: You've never seen Exorcist Three.
0: Oh, I have. I just don't know if that was the same kind. I just know they were giant shears.
1: Well, it looked like giant shears from Exorcist Three. Yeah. I think all they did was they, they found the prop
0: and bedazzled them. Could be, I don't know. But still <laughs> was that the he didn't play basketball, right? The guy who got his head cut off was not the guy who played basketball. No, the guy that got his head cut off though, what was he doing? That's what I'm trying to find out. He was fighting the guy with the shears. So it was just a it was basically just a gladiator type fight and yeah. the, gladiator fight because i was just trying to figure out if there was multiple different things going on like over here is basketball over here is gladiators over here is ping pong i mean just who the fuck knows
1: it's cuervo's playground in in the hollywood bowl his turf and he has a game he makes people play they have to sink five baskets to a 10 second shot clock scoring two points each basket you make it to 10 points without running out the clock you get to live
0: none of this three point bullshit the clock
1: runs out and you're shy of 10 points you die at the hands of suit wearing gunmen standing around the fenced in basketball court
0: miss a shot you die yeah. Shot clock runs out, you die.
1: Puervo tells his followers that they're all going to watch Snake Pliskin die in the cage because he survived to Cleveland. He escaped New York. But LA can kill anybody. And no one has ever walked out of that game alive. Yeah. Snake just nods. The crowd resumes going wild because it's apparently very hard to make extras not overact. Anyways, Snake makes eight points, but he starts to get tired and he has to keep making longer shots to hurry and get the ball.
0: About when he's at six points is when that starts, when he's starts making those longer shots yeah but he's
1: on the wrong side of the court and the clock is about to hit zero when he has to make his last shot so what does snake do he throws a full court hail mary and scores another two points when it goes in
0: and was not cg and by all reports was actually his first attempt
1: wow kurt russell's very athletic
0: yeah by everything i've seen that was a first attempt pure kurt russell
1: Nice. Clock runs out. Snake is won. Just like the first one, the crowd of the Duke's men, I mean Cuervos people, uh, they start to chant Snake's name. Another box checked off for franchise traditions in a two-movie franchise.
0: And see, when we were talking about Escape from New York, and I said, uh, when I said something about an Escape from New York about the moral laws, and started talking about how the two movies are pretty much the same movie, so forgive me if things blur, and you're like, no, no, there's definitely differences. It sounds to me like you're kind of agreeing that these are the same movie. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
1: No, I mean, I watched it and I was just like, as soon as it started ticking off the boxes, I just started waiting for it to keep ticking off boxes.
0: You can go beat for beat pretty much. Yeah. But
1: Cuervo is having none of it that Snake would survive this and pulls out his big silver rifle and says Snake has to die and starts taking pot shots. The guy standing around the court just lets Snake go instead of helping their boss shoot him.
0: Well, the, he he climbs over the fence. Yeah. Climbs and and of runs the fence off. And... But he climbs over the fence and runs off and gets away because there's an earthquake. So it's not that he they just let him run away. He was he climbed over an earthquake and got away. Yeah.
1: LA has a mini earthquake and this one hits a very opportune time. Uh someone and the crowd freaks out, and the rest of the crowd freaks out, and everyone scatters, and Snake is lost in the confusion. So, what's your opinion
0: on that? What? Well, so she's saying he won, you gotta let him go, and he says, No, I can't let him live. What's your opinion on that? If I you think were your Cuervo, could you let him live or would you have to kill him?
1: I'd have to kill him. This man is obviously a threat. He has uh usurped me in front of my people and made me break my promise, and they are chanting his name. Therefore, he is a usurper, and according to the laws of the jungle,
0: at the same time though, now your people will see that even if somebody wins at your game you're not a man of your word and you'll gun him down which means they'll fear me so therefore or turn against you because they can't trust
1: you at that point we get into the ethics of leadership for cuervo which I don't know if he would have really would have studied some say it's better to be feared than respected uh, and see
0: I kind of was going back and forth on this cuz I was kind of thinking your way it's like look they're all chanting his name he is now a threat to my authority. Yeah. And what does Cartman say? Respect my authority. Exactly.
1: Anyway, everybody's scrambling out of the stadium. Snake blows up a car in the parking lot, and then he steals the black box. He steals Cuervo's big silver gun, and he jumps down into the sewers. Utopia follows him and maps to the stars. Eddie follows her. Utopia follows Snake and asks him to take her with him, and Snake is like, no, I have to do this or I'm going to die.
0: He hears someone behind him. He raises the gun and waits. She comes around the corner, says, it's me, Utopia, I'm alone. He doesn't say anything. She's trying to figure out, like, take me with you type shit he's just aiming and she realizes my father sent you here to kill me and then he's like yeah i can't do it just get out of here and then maps to the star eddie shoots snake in the same spot as the arrow hit him in new york and we once again have a limping kurt russell for the rest of the movie yes in the leg. So, again, beat for beat.
1: When Snake gets shot, he drops the black box and Eddie runs to grab it and Snake falls down into this roaring drainage chute. Eddie picks up the box. He heads back to Quervo expecting a reward. Quervo tells him to go find Snake's body and bring back the head. Eddie's all like, I killed him. He went down. Uh, apparently, when Utopia came to L.A., she thought it was going to be like a sweet relationship with this super nice guy she met online. But no, it turns out he's a petty warlord in a dystopian island hellhole.
0: Well, he did have Images of him in a nice pasture with a dove.
1: Yeah, she's got Byer's remorse. She wants to go home to her evil tyrant father. Or maybe she just wants to escape with Snake and be his new side piece.
0: Well, you know, I'd be game if you were snake yeah yeah well
1: snake could have well a harem even if, if he, i wasn't
0: first if, if, even if i wasn't snake if she wanted to yeah I, i'd open my door for
1: her. snake could take phone numbers like business cards and make a harem of all the girls who hit on him
0: i don't think he'd have to take phone numbers i think he would just put one of those little red wheel things outside that says take a number and he'd just have Good. it right Good. in front of his door with think a big he, like you would see now serving and right right above his bedroom door i think that's snake
1: Cuervo and his gang head off to Anaheim to the Happy Kingdom to await for the chopper they ordered the president to send.
0: Which was supposed to be Disneyland, and Disneyland said no.
1: Uh, snake washes out near Wiltshire Canyon with a leg wound, but luckily finds Peter Fonda's character there ready to surf. Peter Fonda bandages Snake up and hands him a surfboard because the big trimmer that helped Snake get away a minute ago has set off a big wave that's coming in and it's going to be tubular all the way down the Los Angeles aqueduct in a few
0: minutes. Okay, so before you go any further with this, okay, Snake falls out of the sewer line into this puddle behind Fonda. Fonda is staring off like he's waiting for something to come at him. Yeah. So you think, well, that's he's waiting for that wave, right? Yeah. Because he says that's, I mean, he's waiting for the big wave because everyone's going somewhere else. I'm staying here for the big one. You would think it would be in front of him, and yet the wave comes from behind him. Where was he looking?
1: He's a stoner surfer dude who stares off into space because he's listening to the music of the universe.
0: But if he's staring and waiting for the wave shouldn't he stare in the direction the wave would be coming because he turns around and sees snake and further back is his car that he goes to get a surfboard for snake from and he comes back to snake and they stay there the wave comes up hits the car then gets to them it
1: is a weird movie peter fonda probably didn't bring his a game to
0: this one i don't know i thought he did okay i think it was just there were weird choices oh yeah just look that way I think that was more a directorial thing, mm-hmm. but it's like, why it just, that, that part has never made sense. It's like, what is he looking at?
1: He's looking off screen. Well, yeah. He's looking at, uh, one of the scantily clad women of LA.
0: Who knows? I, I, Who knows? It's, it, it has not been said by anybody ever, so. Why should I worry about it? No one else is about that. Yeah, I mean, come on, it's just the surfer dude staring
1: off into space. I mean, they do that, don't they?
0: Yeah, but if they're waiting for a wave, they tend to—I don't know—look towards the water.
1: Maybe they do. Maybe the maybe the surfer. I think his name is Pipeline. Maybe he was he named,
0: or was it just you see a name in the credits? I believe I just saw the name in the credits.
1: Maybe Pipeline is so attuned to the surf that he doesn't need to look at the wave. He can just feel it coming up behind him and he's just waiting for that moment when he can feel the water rush up at him.
0: Or maybe he's staring down the canyon it's going to be going down and like visualizing okay i gotta do this and turn here and and he's visualizing the path could be anyway it it makes no difference because it's just me noticing shit that probably weren't we weren't supposed to notice anyway
1: the water comes and snake is game for riding that wave because he takes the surfboard and hits the ground for the water to pick him up no it It rushes down the aqueduct and the next thing you know kurt russell and peter fonda are surfing through la to the tune of scouts by dick dale
0: the water never shows up yeah, it it's does. just horrible CG.
1: Yeah, true.
0: This is probably one of the worst in the movie.
1: And I think the movie is kind of infamous for this scene. At this point, it feels like John Carpenter has completely abandoned the dark, scary, gritty atmosphere that he made in the first movie, and has, has embraced instead the cartoon level action scenes where Snake is this impossibly skilled super soldier.
0: I think if the CG in this wasn't as bad, this scene wouldn't been that. It wouldn't have been as difficult to deal with. I think okay yeah he surfs and they, they said in the beginning yeah when I was surfing I used to see all the time so it's like okay yeah whatever and when he's supposed to be the ultimate badass anyway so him being able to surf yeah okay
1: no he can he can sink any basket he can mm-hmm. surf like a pro he's the best shot he's the best everything yeah uh, the movie hits peak camp. I think uh, when Eddie is driving alongside the aqueduct and snake spots him, snake and Peter slap hands and snake flies out of the duct off his board onto the back of Eddie's car. Eddie tries to shake him off, but snake climbs in, pulls Eddie's gun away and tells Eddie to take him to Hershey, LA's other big power player.
0: I love Hershey. Hershey awesome. Hershey apparently lives in what looks
1: like a big ocean freight liner that got washed into the middle of downtown LA. It hasn't been seen anywhere else in the movie. Nope. Uh, she runs or hangs out with a gang called the Saigon Shadow, or is Saigon Shadow a person? Um, I, she's in charge. I know that. Yeah, but I it's weird because I, I a lot Saigon Shadow sounds like the name of a gang, sounds but like there is somebody name of a
0: band. Uh, true, uh, that would be an awesome band, wouldn't it? Saigon Shadow.
1: Actually, or a drink. Could be. Uh, But I think there's somebody, like, I I think Jeff Amata is in the credits is credited as Saigon Shadow. He was one of the stunt performers.
0: It could have been that that was just the gang name. I I don't know. They were just naming off gang members.
1: Either way, Snake limps and Eddie leads the way into the ocean liner and Snake comes face to face with Pam Greer as Hershey. Foxy Brown. Pam is amazing. She's a pro, and here she plays Hershey, a.k.a. Carjack Malone. Snake and Hershey and the Saigon Shadow Guys are flying toward the party, and we see a bad CGI shot of all the hang gliders just mm-hmm. uh, going across the dark sky. Hershey sends Eddie down to run a distraction. Eddie lands first, distracts Cuervo, and tries to switch one of his remotes for he the more super weapon. He crashes.
0: Yeah, it's more he crashes. I mean, he just and flies right into the side of a building.
1: Yeah, uh, and then he runs up to Cuervo and does this very obvious like delaying tactic.
0: Well, that's after too that he's like, "Oh, there's going to be an attack." Like he's actually trying to warn him. And then Cuervo's yeah. like, "Yeah, Eddie, you're you're not uh, you're not telling us everything here. So yeah. stop your bullshit."
1: Even Cuervo is sick of Eddie, and it seems like according to Eddie, like they're close friends, but Cuervo is clearly not you know
0: enamored with Eddie. Eddie is the talkative Donnie. Oh, God. Um, No wonder Walter Um, shut the fuck up. How how Bashimi said that he always imagined that Donnie was somebody that the dude and walter didn't really like they just kept him around because he was a good good bowler bowler. he wasn't someone like they just kept him around because he was useful to them that's what he is in this it's like everybody kind of is annoyed by him nobody really trusts him but he's useful yeah he's the talkative Um, donnie
1: but uh he even he even does the old look behind you gag and on a bunch of cuervo's thugs and they turn around and shoot the crap out of a building even
0: Uh, cuervo starts shooting yeah, because they're they're primed for shooting something. Well, they were just told there's going to be an attack, and then he's like, "Oh, look behind you," and they yeah. all fall for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Eddie tries to make a switch between one of his remotes and the super weapon. Cuervo catches him and is about to shoot him. But as Hershey and Snake and company attack Cuervo's men, we get a ton of shots of the hang gliders flying slow circles around the abandoned Disneyland place they're in. Uh, Very slow slow circles. Really slow circles. Like the gliders are moving on rails like an amusement park ride. You think? Which they are, because if you look on the top of them in a few shots, you can see the strut that's holding them onto the rail. Nowadays they green screen that out, but yeah, another CGI fail from when the Vista. Mm-hmm. This scene is supposed to be exciting, but the ponderously slow hang gliders and ridiculously poor aim of Cuervo's men drained any suspense or tension. Snake lands no. and fights Cuervo for the box. But oh, th-
0: th- this fight, though, this fight far surpasses his fight with the Duke.
1: Yeah, but the, still.
0: Once, once everybody's on the ground and you stop the hang glider bullshit, this fight is actually a decent battle.
1: Uh, it is and it isn't because I, I just find that young George Coroface is so unintimidating that it never really seemed like a fight. Corvo seems like a wiry guy in a slacker shirt fighting a superhuman action hero. You, you never think for a second that Snake's not going to walk away with that box.
0: Well, no, because I mean, basically he's the hero, so he's going to have to get it. But just the overall fight, but not just between him, but just everything going on in the background. It's not him fighting the Duke basically alone on a bridge with a couple fights that every now and then you might see them fight. But now they're falling down between cars and you don't see what's going on. This is a proper fight scene.
1: Fair enough. Hershey and her people all land. They all head for the chopper because it's bulletproof. Cuervo's men are shooting at them the whole time and never hit a thing. They then get in the chopper after Snake takes his coat back from the guy who took it an hour ago. And, and now he they never start hits. hitting things. Eddie and Utopia pile in. Hershey and a few of her soldiers are in the back, and it's a pretty crowded chopper. And they're being shot at, and the chopper has op- si- open side hatches that any one of Cuervo's guys should be able to get a bullet into, but none do.
0: Yeah, and he says close the hatch, and they don't.
1: No one has to reload, and it's just kind of an endless scene. Snake takes off and starts to fly the chopper out of there but it is slower than the hang gliders slowest fucking helicopter ever built in the future it is painfully slow there's like a three minute scene it feels like where Quervo gets up finds a machine gun shoots at the chopper for like 10 seconds gets frustrated goes and grabs a missile launcher aims it. he goes and
0: grabs an empty tube yeah i mean he picks it up and when he's picking it up you can clearly see all the way through it oh that's just bad props right there I mean, he picked it up and I was like, wait a minute, that looked like the background. And I went back and watched. And there's a couple of times when you actually see all the way through it. It's like they just took a piece, piece of PVC and painted it.
1: Quirvo gets shot in the chest by Eddie. He shoots the missile launcher, hits the chopper, knocks Eddie out of the chopper, and the chopper flies off on fire.
0: Well, that takes care of all of Foxy Brown's people. Yeah. Is that when they all die? Because I... I, Well, there was a few of them that had died in the meantime. Map to the Stars, Eddie ends up shooting cuervo and starts bragging that he hit him cuervo's like oh you know what fuck you you hit me i'm taking you out he fires the, the empty tube rocket and map to the stars eddie's like oh holy shit jumps out helicopter gets hit and you see the flames go pretty much from side to side not really forward and take out Everyone in the back of the helicopter. And then every now and then you see like little bursts of flames come from between the seats for the Countess and Snake.
1: Snake uh, gets on the comm and he tells Malloy that he's coming in hot. Uh, Only Snake and Utopia are left in the chopper. He tells her to bail out. He doesn't tell them that. No, he doesn't tell them that. But he tells her to bail out and disappear and slips the remote for the doomsday device in her jacket. She jumps, the chopper goes down, and Snake is okay. Malloy and the President and Brazen are there waiting for him.
0: Yeah, so did he jump out, or did he just miraculously survive the crash? pretty much just miraculously survived the crash. Because he's, he could have jumped out and it yeah, looked like have. he was about to. He was opening the door and everything. And then there's the crash. They don't sh- they don't show him jumping out or anything. They no. don't show him walking out of the rubble. But they do show a shot of him walking with all the flames behind him.
1: I think the idea was that he survived the crash and was walking away from it towards the president, Malloy, Brazen, and uh, the big visored government thugs who were yeah, there waiting for the uh, drop If
0: he was still in it when it crashed, there's no way he survived. I don't care if he's Snake Plissken or Robocop. There's no way he survived that crash. I don't think Robocop would have survived that either. That's what I'm saying. I don't care if he's Snake Plissken or Robocop. He's not going to survive that crash.
1: Snake's timer runs out and he finds out that the disease they infected him with was just a flu bug that lasts about nine hours and you he'll know, be it's fine. It's a
0: severe strain of the flu and the flu kills people.
1: Yeah, well, um, didn't kill Snake and it's all kind of, it's kind of anticlimactic and kind of a bad joke when it turns out, ah, we tricked you the whole time, dumbass. I'm just
0: like, all right, Okay, well. now here's another question I have. Okay. So, Snake doesn't necessarily know that, what, that it's fake yet, right? Or is he taking Hershey's word on it and like Foxy Brown wouldn't lie to me when she says the whole thing's bullshit so this disease that they say they injected me with has to be fake. Or is he just kind of, you know what? If it's fake, then great. And if not, then I'm dead. What is his game here?
1: I really have no idea. possible that Snake knew that he was going to be fine and was playing it up for the uh, for his adversaries, as we'll see in a moment when we learn what Snake's oh, yeah. game is. I guess I should is.
0: let you finish that before I really ask this question, because you would need to know the details that you're about to give. So yeah,
1: never mind me. Go ahead. The president has a good chuckle. They ask for the remotes snake pulls it out of his coat and the government thugs show up and they've got utopia because they found her real quick
0: yeah he said jump out and head for the tree line and disappear and she jumped out and apparently doesn't, didn't disappear.
1: Malloy gets a suspicious look on his face and instead of going up to Snake and taking the remote, he goes over to Utopia to search her and finds the remote on her. He chides Snake for trying to pull a fast one like he did with the tape in New York. He says, you're and predictable, Snake.
0: Well, this is also after the president has said, oh, you didn't finish the mission because you were supposed to kill her. I guess I'm going to have to finish it for you. Yeah. And that's when uh, Stacey, Stacey Keach is like, yeah, you know, hold your horse is here man something still ain't right and he goes and Mm. feels her up and finds that she's got the device or a device but is it the device we don't know yet yeah because uh because this is the same movie and snake likes to pull the switcheroo yeah i think at that
1: point it feels like the actors are commenting on the movie a little then the president orders the thugs to execute his daughter in an electric chair because wow is he a bastard I can't imagine how one of the other
0: kids killed themselves. Well, I mean, he did say something about sacrificing his seditious child. For he loved his country so much, he yep. sacrificed his only seditious
1: child. Like, he's comparing himself to God and her to Jesus. The president is about to go live on TV. Cuba is about to invade Florida because that will disable America 40 Yeah, they're only like four completely. minutes
0: away by then. Yeah,
1: they're only four minutes away. But, you know, if one hostile soldier sets foot on Florida soil, America ends. And the president goes on TV to threaten them with the doomsday device. And he's not bluffing. He dials in the location code for Cuba and hits enter. And ha, 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 we hear Steve Buscemi's voice because that was one of Eddie's remotes, that snake planted on Utopia.
0: And snake. okay, so when you first watched this movie, had you seen Escape from New York already? Uh I'd seen parts of it, I think. Um, so did you know I saw parts of this movie when I uh, when I first saw it. When you saw the end of this, had you seen the end of Escape from New York? I don't recall. I was just wondering if, because like, why? watching it now. It's like, okay, yeah. So that's what he did in that one. Everything else has been the same. So this has to still be a switch. So when he plays yep. it, it's like, okay, you're still kind of waiting for it. I was just wondering if y- you were gonna we know it's going to be different. Or we know it's not going to be the right thing. I have largely forgotten
1: did. this movie except for the ending uh, when we decided to cover both these movies. I knew Escape from New York uh, better than I knew this movie by far. But I familiarized myself a great deal with Escape from New York to get ready for the podcast and everything. And, and that's when I decided to pop in Escape from L.A. to do our next show. And
0: that's when I started realizing just so many overwhelming similarities. So you hadn't really watched these that much then before this? I'd seen, no, I would watch Escape from New York sometimes. I don't mean necessarily back to back or anything. I just mean the two movies in general, you hadn't really watched them. Them enough to where it's like yeah it's the same thing or had you just no. watched them and you never really realized it until you watched them so close together yeah until I watched them so close together but
1: okay. uh, the president is pissed because he just got embarrassed on live TV but um, he doesn't care he orders all of the government thugs to shoot Snake where he stands and then to take the but remote still from
0: broadcasting
1: it. good let him watch and so they even turn the camera around to show Snake standing in front of the fire and uh, they all shoot and what happens nothing and why. Um, Why did nothing happen? Snake appears unharmed as if the bullets passed right through him because they did, because Snake is a hologram playing the same trick on these assholes that they played on him in the beginning.
0: Yeah,
1: that's probably it. When Snake was getting his gear at the beginning, they gave him a little projector device that was just a prototype. Had half a mile range and a nine-minute battery.
0: And you know what else? If he wouldn't have taken his jacket back before getting on the helicopter, he wouldn't have it. He wouldn't because it was in his jacket. Yep. So So that means that it's a good thing that the dumbass that stole his jacket never checked the pockets
1: yeah probably or he did and he was just like yeah i'm gonna gonna get rid of that later but for now i'm gonna yeah but you find something like that in
0: your pocket do you think well what is this and maybe push a button to see what happens yeah true you could he had to have not checked the pockets or maybe there's secret compartments that the guy couldn't like how yeah it's probably just pockets but by the size and shape of it you would think he would have felt it
1: Probably. I do like this ending. Hologram Snake pulls out the real device, and the assholes know that Snake has all the cards right then. They could find him if they searched a half mile radius, but there's no time. Snake punches in the world code. Uh, once you do that, you've armed the device or satellite.
0: Okay. So, Laren and I'm going to keep calling her that because, again, I can't remember names. So Michelle Forbes. She AKA says, Brazen. Her name is Brazen. So, she says, he's entered the world code, but no target. Why do you need to enter a target if you enter the world code? Because isn't the world code making the world the target?
1: Yes, but, well, she was just giving the audience a little more information that, in case they forgot, that if you don't enter a target code, a secondary target code, then you're going to be targeting the whole world. Uh, Well,
0: if she she would have just said he's entered the world code, that will take out everything everywhere. But he's yeah. entered the world code. No target. That will take out everything. So it's like, just why even say no target? Because he did put a target in. He put the world in. But you know what happens?
1: Yeah. If you don't put in the second code to target a specific place, names for the whole world, and Kablooey sends us back to the pre-technology civilization because everything is EMP fried and all the stuff we have to fix EMP fried stuff is also EMP fried. Malloy tries to reason with Snake and get him not to push the button. Snake just says, call me Pliskin,"
0: and hits it. My favorite favorite bit about this movie is this broadcast that the president was making was going out basically worldwide, right? Yeah. So the last thing the world sees... Is Snake Plissken making a fool out of the president on live television? That's the last thing before the world goes dark.
1: Yeah, the last thing that anyone ever sees on any TV ever is, is Snake Plissken pushing a button, button to turn off everybody's TVs.
0: And making a fool of the president yeah. of the United States for life.
1: Well, we see bad CG satellites opening up and firing their EMP beams. We hear bluesy heroes little pops,
0: like there's little explosions inside these yeah. satellites before beams come out.
1: Yeah. They fry the world's tech and hologram snake fizzles out as this holo projector thingy either runs out of juice or is just fried by the EMP.
0: Well, it's fried, he- but takes a long time for the hologram to disappear. All the electronics are fried, lights go out, and yet the light on Utopia, it, and yeah. hey, I called her by name that time. Good job. She's sitting there still lit up for quite a while as she realizes what's going on. It's like, oh yeah, he just fried the world and, and slowly the, world. the lights fade out.
1: Yeah, why would it? He pushes take the button long? right in time for Utopia to be electrocuted. You know, right in time to save her from being
0: electrocuted. Yeah. damn. So she's really, but her she's from all, being electrocuted.
1: She's also strapped into a chair, surrounded by men with guns. So who knows how that ended for her?
0: Well, you know, hopefully they can't see too well in the dark. And end up shooting each other.
1: They'd taken off their helmet. Yeah. The president and Brazen... But
0: it's black. There's no windows. They're in a giant bunker.
1: Yeah, but would they bother even letting her out? I mean, but then again, maybe it's like... They'd uh, have to be
0: able to find her first.
1: Maybe they'd revert to their human uh, personalities as, Aren't they, as they realize, like, you know, no one's going to be... We're not going to be getting paychecks in the mail anymore because, you know, technology got fried. President and Brazen Malloy and all the government thugs have their spotlights and cameras go out and they're left in the firelight of the helicopter crash and a newly silent world we cut the snake somewhere else as he finds a pack of cigarettes on the ground pulls out a black nasty looking cancer stick and lights it up from the box of matches he got in the beginning
0: of the with his gear how long has the u.s been no smoking quite
1: a while i
0: imagine uh so how since 1998 Dale, was that cigarette
1: well you know i can imagine there's black market cigarettes that people would maybe hide in the woods
0: possibly, but that was an old pack of American spirits that had been torn open and laying on the ground for a while. But even then it would have been, been a very it still would have been cigarettes. very stale.
1: It would have been gross.
0: Yeah. Not like it would be good to begin with, but no. Well, I guess depending on who you are, you might think it is. Cigarettes, cigarettes. I love cigarettes, cigarettes, cigarettes. Yeah.
1: Stares at the flame for a minute before blowing it out and the screen cuts to black and we hear Snake say Welcome to the human race. And the credits roll to the sound of the one by White Zombie, which I think was written for this movie. Yeah. Now, but the Rob's not, the White Zombie lyrics sound like they're talking about Snake, and to me, maybe he is the new king of the world because there's nothing to hold him back now. Maybe now this is a world he can thrive in instead of being an outlaw.
0: Well, it, it'll be hard ridic- to catch him.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous though. Thousands, if not millions, of people are going to die in this coming weeks and months as they fail to survive and are killed population in a mad control. scramble for food and resources. As the world realigns itself.
0: What population control? Mm, I I hate that term. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on the other hand oh, yeah, it's, it's a kind a of
0: fucked up way to look at it. Don't get me wrong, on the other-
1: but on the other hand, it's a kind of libertarian victory, creating a world free of all outside interference. But in the end, Snake was pretty much a monster who just damned everyone in the world to a yeah. world worse than the Walking Dead scenario.
0: Well, how long do you think it would take for us to get back to that point? Or not even to that point. How long do you think it would take to just get back to some sense of normality? Decades. You think it would be that soon?
1: Well, I don't know. Think about all the infrastructure you have to rebuild. Not only that, but not having the raw materials on hand do it. So well, how much infrastructure
0: have, and, do you have? to rebuild the house the buildings are still there the roads are still there the maintenance is another story yeah exactly all their vehicles are toast
1: Let's say everybody wants to buy lumber to reinforce their houses. You know, after the after the big the great turnoff, chop it
0: down by hand, mill it. Yeah, by so hand. they
1: once the lumber outlets are ransacked, you have to get that wood somewhere else, and you're gonna have to chop it down by hand. So yeah, yeah all right. now so let's talk. You have to extend that principle across to every other kind of good and service.
0: Well, do you know how think about metals?
1: Exactly, you have to mine for the damn things. Do you know how many exotic yeah. ingredients are involved in making one root beer?
0: Yeah, th- that's what I'm you saying. Have
1: to Get xanthan gum from South Africa. There's ingredients well, that does, like uh, that's not that sweeteners big a deal that have to a lot of the from... world doesn't
0: even have root beer anyway because it tastes too medicinal.
1: Either way, not only do you have to go back to Stone Age materials to mine raw materials or harvest raw materials because, like
0: you know, let's, say, though, we, let, let's say we let's say we want to use a chainsaw. Labor force.
1: To, we want to use a chainsaw to cut down a tree. Now we've all ran out of gas, so we don't have anything to power the chainsaw with. So what do you do there?
0: And that's then, if you don't count on. Any electronics for your chainsaw,
1: and the, yeah, the chainsaw might not work. So you're going to have to go back to using axes and saws. <clears throat> Mining, you're going to have to go up, go back to using pickaxes and shovels and shovels because, yep. you know, who knows if the jackhammers down there are going to work anymore. And not only that, but you're going to have to reinvent, you're going to have to go back to using candles down in the mine because there aren't going to be any lights down there anymore.
0: And you better start carrying cages of canaries with you too because you don't have anything that can sense the gases, any kind of detectors, anything to take with you to let you know.
1: And then if we want to get back to a stage where we can actually build new electronics, we're going to have to use all this Stone Age technology to try to reinvent metallurgy and smelting and other forms of
0: the knowledge to do it would be there, but the time it would take to get to that point to where you can do it would be very long.
1: Yeah, and God help you if you think you're going to actually manufacture anything
0: in a mechanized fashion. I mean there's Oh yeah, mass producing anything is, a, is out of the question. Yeah. Walmart is done for. I would say it would be at least a century Probably. before we have anything again.
1: Yeah. It's uh I mean it just the logistics of it are just mind-boggling. Yeah, like and he says the, like
0: if you hit that button. And you're going to undo everything we've done in the last 500 years.
1: And he hit it anyway. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you. It would, it would, okay. Yeah. It would probably take centuries. Yeah.
0: Um, I would say at to, least, at least one century. Minimum. Just to rebuild the infrastructure.
1: And not only that, but who knows how many na- actual natural disasters would occur or unnatural disasters would occur in the wake.
0: Well, yeah. How many you know, nuclear the plants are there?
1: Um, Yeah, nuclear plants that lose their electronics Uh and can't, you know, stay cool. That's going to cause meltdowns, dams that have electronic turbines that require refineries that have thermostats that work in a very precise manner. There's
0: going to be the environmental damage alone is probably enough to pretty much get rid of life on Earth thanks a lot snake yeah he doomed the planet well you know what (laughs) snake did not he did not do the right thing in this and yet if he would have handed it over it would still not be the right thing
1: well, you know what? That's what happens when you get between a really tough guy and his cigarettes. He will do any damn thing he wants to get
0: those cigarettes. and No, I'd say that's what happens th- these when are the you try the and make will go a tough to, to get guy a do something under threat of his life. Yeah, and you don't think enough to say maybe we should follow through. Because I mean, think about this. So he in the said, first you better movie, hope
1: I don't make it back.
0: Well, in Escape from New York. He gets back. He tells them to begin with, once I get back, I'm going to kill you. Mm. So he gets back. They get the tape from him. Um, he, he gets the next rays to stop his head from blowing up, which I'm wondering about that, too, because they said in the last 15 minutes of the final hour, if you do it before that, then you're fine. But he gets back with seconds left. So that should yeah. already have been too late.
1: Well, uh But still, if they would have just
0: down. let his head blow up, they still could have got the tape from him. And if it turned out to not be the right one, search the body for it. In this one, if the plutoxin was real and not just a severe flu, okay, let him die, they could still get it from the body. They should have let him die instead of letting him le- live and keeping their word.
1: And the movie is a great ethical quandary in a way.
0: Yeah, there's, suppose, there's uh, no real redeeming character in this.
1: What about Utopia? Y-
0: you mean the one that stole the shit and went to run off with rebels that were going to use it to basically do the same thing as her father?
1: I think she was tricked. I think she was uh, an innocent yeah. who was uh, led astray by a, oh, yeah. a charismatic man. I think she was hoping for the best. I think she was a victim. Best.
0: Yeah, I I think maybe she had a few redeeming qualities, but as far as a character as a whole, not so much. Mm. Granted, I'd still let her in, but that's just because of me and who she is. Perfect. Well, yeah, I'm not going to be ashamed. She is a very attractive woman, and I have always thought so. Even watching her on My So-Called Life or when she was on Baywatch or any of the other shows, anytime I'd see she was on it, I'd watch it. Mm.
1: no but you have given me a lot to think about about the movie unfortunately the movie is bogged down by the bad cgi Uh and uh poorly choreographed action scenes to really let the But next time you watch it watch it
0: as if it's a parody of action movies i'll have to do that if i ever watch it again i mean it's uh, it's not the wretched you'll probably watch this again at some point in your life probably i did
1: buy (laughs) the damn I I did buy the damn Blu ray, so I'm not going to just let that thing rot in my movie cabinet.
0: What would you change? Better CGI and and more of the Countess. Hmm. And I would. uh, So, yeah, yeah, I would probably have more of her, and I'd probably have her more in the outfit she was in the first half of the movie, but that's only because it was essentially lingerie in a see through robe. um, But again, I would have had Valeria Galeno wear a slightly more revealing outfit. Her and more revealing outfit would have been nice, but I think it would have been out of character.
1: I don't know. I probably wouldn't have had the surfing, or if I did have the surfing, it would have been like a giant wave of destruction that Snake was riding, and not a contained water spume going down an aqueduct.
0: That continued just without any kind of problem. The wave didn't seem to get smaller, or it just continued down this canyon just no problem. And fast
1: i think it would have been a cool scene if like snake was like coming down on somebody on this giant wave like this thing's destroying everything but snake knows how to be on top of it train is coming to a stop and it's time to say goodbye here in the movie car we hope everyone out there and podcast them is able to get a little bit of new appreciation for escape from la
0: well you know there was one thing that you didn't do what's that well since we started rating these movies yeah i didn't rate this one i give it a mm, five. Ooh, you put this one lower than new york what did i give you? New York. New York was a seven. It was either really seven keep, or seven and a half. I
1: don't really keep track of these ratings like you do.
0: Yeah, you had that one a little higher up. Uh,
1: Well, I I thought five was generous for Escape from L.A., to be honest.
0: Really? So you think this is worse than Escape from New York? Or is it just the CG drops it down that much?
1: The CG drops it down that much. The badly choreographed hang glider scene and uh, over-reliance on extremely cheesy things. How annoying Eddie was.
0: Do you think if you didn't have Escape from New York to compare it to... It would be different? Like if this was just its own thing? Yeah, probably. Do you think it would be higher or lower in that case? I don't
1: know. I think if it had been better executed, it would have been better. There's just some things that really just take me out of the movie.
0: I mean, that's kind of the same thing with every movie. If it had been better executed, it would have been a better movie.
1: Mm, Yes, unless we're talking about some perfect movie like Citizen frigging Kane.
0: Well, still, if things were better executed, that would still make it a better movie.
1: Yes, (laughs) but... Anyway, your point.
0: Well, I don't know. You just said if, if there was things better executed, it would have been better. Like, I think oh,
1: thematically, yeah. and uh, I, I think thematically and artistically, the movie stands on its own for its story. But I, I, I think the the visuals are lacking, and I, I wonder where the hell the gas and the in LA came from. Things like that.
0: Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I think I would go. Um, Well, I think I said six for New York. I would definitely put this one. I would put this one like a seven and a half. Yeah, I'd go to seven Mm. and a half on this one. I think it was just a more fun movie. And some of the weirdness, like the weird music placement and things were a lot better in this. Mm. And yeah, the crap CG. But still, I mean, it's overall, I think, a better movie. Maybe.
1: Um, no, there's just some things that I, it's hard for me to get over in the movie. I got like my idea about snake riding the tsunami across LA.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, that's, there's some weird choices. I get it. Yeah. I was just surprised that you put this one lower.
1: But, uh, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that John Carpenter and Kurt Russell got to have their fun and make their movie that they made. I love Bruce Campbell's little, uh performance uh, I, I i thought it was a well-acted movie for what it was um yeah so thanks to everyone who listened and downloaded we love all of you thanks to our mutual friend and uh, please like subscribe comment heart star tell your friends tell your parents tell your neighbors tell your uh, pets if they have you know smartphone access
0: yeah and, and not only that but down in the description there's there's links for email and twitter and all that and you know come on have a chat yeah i go on twitter quite a bit and lately have been watching a new movie every night and trying to make a comment on that so you know let's talk about some movies
1: always fun but be good to each other out there we're all stuck together in this crazy train and we're all we have so bye for now folks
0: bye